So <laughs> let's yes. get tip. Just just the tip, please. <laughs> just, okay, just the tip. Let's get tip. screwed over today because of that. And technology. So, I think that we're, we got a little Canadian cast connection there. It's tenuous. Tenuous at best. Hello everyone and welcome to Commander Cast, episode 225. We're your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology, hosted on mdgcast.com and our home site, commandercast.com. We're recording this on November 12th, 2015. I'm your host of the show, William, and it is the eve of Commander Precon release. Unless you found a Target or a Walmart that didn't really give a shit and put it on the shelves already, but we all know you're going to wait the extra 10 hours to buy it from your local game store, right? Right. It's okay. Uh, no Kevin just yet. He'll be joining us in just, uh, at some point tonight, hopefully. But otherwise, I've got my other perennial co-host, Clay. Commander Panda, how are you doing today? I am doing just fine. Good to hear. Uh, Mark's not here tonight because apparently his wife is sick and he needs to take care of her like a good husband <laughs> should. Uh, <laughs> I am also coming off of a weekend cold. I actually just got my flu shot on Wednesday, so... The pharmacist has said that it might take me a little longer to recover from my current cold flu thing, since now my body has to fight two things at once. Uh, but that's okay. I'm here, Clay's here, and we, of course, have our special guest. It's been a while since we've heard from him. It's Aaron. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Doing great, Will. I, you know, got moved in. I got all my, got some new stuff. I got some, you know, got a job. I'm settled up here in Seattle. And where might that job be, Aaron? Um, it's a funny story that you should ask because I pretty much have a hybrid job of what your last two bad jobs were, which were working in a grocery store and a warehouse. I work in like a grocery warehouse. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty sweet. Um, you know, it's kind of dangerous, I would say. Um, but you know, yeah. I make pretty decent money and, um, you know, it's, it gives me some time to do what I need to do, um, hopefully with you guys now that I've got sort of a, a grip on the way that they're they're scheduling me and uh you know it's it's going to give me a chance to kind of you know get get to the next step and get to other jobs and, and help out with the site again oh hopefully yeah i mean never never make too hard on the warehouse like oh like i i actually did have a friend who worked in a grocery warehouse and that was hard on him yeah. yeah, it's it's challenging work. It's gotten me in shape, man. Like I think I've lost thirty pounds and I've gained like five or ten pounds of muscle back. Like just just <laughs> straight up just going like five hours, seven hours at a time. Oh yeah, like the past four years mm-hmm. of warehouse work have actually just kept me strictly at my weight level. Like, uh-huh. I, like I don't, I think the only thing that's helped me lose weight is having to skip meals because I couldn't afford anything. But mm-hmm. just strictly speaking, you do so much walking and moving around that you actually just keep your weight level at bare minimum. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, man. Like, well, I was I was just eating Cliff Bars basically, like in between, like when I would go on break. So for for most of my days, like you know, the first like month or two I was here, that's what I was doing and and drinking water. And so <laughs> I gained, I lost a lot of weight and gained a lot of muscle very quickly because of it. Okay, I think the worst thing about not, well, okay, definitely not the worst thing, but one of the annoying things about my area is that they make the, the cafeteria makes these awesome like breakfast burritos sometimes. Whereas, like, they'll take a tortilla and they'll just fill it with uh, scrambled eggs and sausage and bacon and uh, hash browns and stuff like that. And it's a great breakfast burrito. But it's so big that you don't have time to eat it in, like, the 15-minute break that you they give you for your breakfast break. So I'm always stuffing it into my mouth as hard as I can before I head off. Um, phrasing? Just, yeah. Helping you develop eating disorders. Well done. Man. More like eating in the army. Jesus Christ. Yeah, army eating. All right, but let's get off the, the not-so-good subject of not-so-good jobs and get onto the much better subject of much better cards. It is, in fact, time for Favorite Commanders of the Week. So, Clay... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Clay, why? Um, because... Because I have to. Um, I, I could make an attempt to justify this, but... You know what? I I will try to bullshit in a, uh, a justification for this. I am going to say that okay. So for those of you who don't know, there's a website called MTG Cardsmith where people can go on. They mostly seem to be like eight to twelve year olds and make their own magic cards. Oftentimes they are absolutely dreadful. And so a nice user over on Tumblr created a blog called Why MTG Cardsmith. Um, Y is in W-H-Y. And what it does is people get to submit cards that they found on this website. And they are often very, very, very bad. And yes, as William just said in the chat box, it's more like, oh god, why, MTG Cardsmith? Um, but here, so my... My silly favorite commander of the week, because I didn't actually really get to play much commander over this past week, um, is inspired by one of our friends from Theros, Triad of Fates, um, which I guess you could say is the unofficial favorite commander of the week, because it's somewhat related to Dagatar, which is my favorite commander of the week last week, and I don't know what I'm saying right now. But, so I just chose a legendary creature from this YMTG Cardsmith thing, and it's actually really... Funny, I'm sorry if anyone is a diehard fan of this person. I'm sorry if I offend anyone. Um, but my favorite commander of the week is Paula Deen the Butter Queen. <laughs> um, so what does Paula Deen the Butter Queen do, Clay, for the folks at home? Um, Paula Deen the Butter Queen is a 1-3 legendary creature human for one white-white. So she costs um, a white more and a black less and a colorless less than our friend the Triad of Fates. Um, apparently she is a mythic rare from Born of the Gods, so they're from the same block. Um, you can pay a white. (laughs) 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 To put... (laughs) I don't know if I can even do that. Okay, I'll read it off for you, because apparently you can't do it with a straight face. Um, (laughs) You can pay a white and put a butter counter on target creature. So, you know, the triads, you can pay a colorless and tap them to put a fate counter on another target creature. Uh, Paladine, you can pay a white and not even tap her. 
and put a butter counter on target creature. Then she has another ability <laughs> where you can pay black, black. Exile target creature with a butter counter on it. Okay, so, so yeah, uh, the triads also do this. Um, the triad of fates also do this. You put a fake counter on something, then you exile it. But there's another part of this ability. Um, exile target creature with a butter counter on it, then put a plus one, plus one counter on Paladine, the butter queen. She ate it. She literally butters up the creature and then eats it. It's fantastic. And like, it is fantastic. Whoever made this card, if you are listening, thank you. Thank you so much. Especially I mean, for finding that picture. And like, just for the, the folks playing at home, when you go to see this website, you'll understand that this is probably like one of the best cards, de- card designs on the website. Yes. There's so much flavor, like literal <laughs> butter flavor. And like, there's all kinds of really great art. She is riding a stick of melt, or of butter. Um, and mashed potatoes are in the background. <laughs> but it looks like clouds, so she's like flying. It's fantastic. So yeah. I, I assume that next week my favorite commander will be a commander that we're talking about later tonight. But this week it's Paladin. Oh God, why? <laughs> now that we've made it through that, uh Aaron, what about you? Okay, so I've been playing up here in Seattle. We they pretty much don't play um like traditional you either play like eight hundred dollar decks or you play like dirt cheap nonsense. And there's a format up here and it's called two DH and the format's pretty simple. Um, you basically are only allowed to build decks with cards that are cost $2 or less. And so I've been playing a lot of 2DH. Um, there's a guy up here. Um, I'm hoping maybe get him on the show at some point um, and uh, to talk about it because it's really great. But he, he runs it. Uh, his name is Joel. He has tournaments uh, for, for 1v1, and uh, he plays. they play a lot of multiplayer up here. So my commander is Kegamara First to Suffer, which is a 2DH commander deck that I made. And... Um, it's it's pretty basic. It's I play it a lot in one v one. It's basically playing like discard one drop discard spells, cheap aggressive things like that, and then it's playing weird mid rangey things that I can go uh, battle with you know to the face. So I've got abyssal persecutor. I've got grinning demon. Um, I've even got my favorite one that I have in here is plague sliver. Um, it's just a really nonsense sliver uh, from uh, time spiral. It's a five five for uh, two double black, and at the beginning of your upkeep. Um, all slivers have, they, it deals one damage to you at the beginning of your upkeep. So uh, it's it's just a really cool little deck that I built, and I, I have a lot of fun playing it. <laughs> and at this point, I would like to introduce our special perennial co-host, Captain Red Zone. Here comes the new challenger! He was almost here. What an entrance. That would have been sweet. <laughs> How's it going, guys? <laughs> Calvin, we got you? Well, I'm right here. Oh, yeah, man. Some... We, we, we heard like a... And then yeah. you weren't there, so we thought we lost you. No, but I thought that almost perfectly. Wow. So what's going on, gentlemen? Well, much. Aaron's back, and he was just telling us about how Seattle has either... Super rich fancy pants decks or extremely lowly budget. Pet, what, what was it? Like super budget, super budget decks. <laughs> Buzzard I, decks. That's right. Everybody, everybody. I will, I will like have it's black and green. Has flyers. Uh, involves a bunch of like corpses and zombies and shit. It's amazing. That's exactly it, Callum. I'll have to try playing it with you in a couple years when eventually we end up over there. 
Dollar Sounds General. There we go. Great. Dollar General. Dollar General. Mm-hmm. That's a good name for a format. <laughs> Tried it. I, I did try it. Um, yeah. So our, our the format's called 2DH. It's pretty sweet. Um, so Calvin, Will, do you guys have your commanders for the week? I don't know. Does Calvin have a favorite commander this week? Uh, me? No. In all honesty, I'm actually still standing outside my dental office waiting for my bus to show up. All right, then. So, I will go into my favorite command of the week, then. And my favorite command of the week is an oldie, but a goodie. It's Tesa, Wars of Scion. So, this is the original Tesa, the one that costs one white black. She's a 2-3. That says, sacrifice three white creatures, remove target creature from the game. Whenever another black creature you control dies, put a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield. And for the longest time, she used to be my Orzov commander, and I was happy about that. Like, she helps recycle tokens, she's removal, you know, just really that stuff. But I found that, you know, she doesn't really do a lot by herself. Like, you know, yeah, you just get some guys going, and then she's fine. But for some reason, I started getting paranoid that as soon as I got her out, people would just want to get her off the table as soon as possible because, you know, she's just actively removal. So You do realize if you took the word table out of that last statement, it would be a totally different situation. I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, now listen to next week's episode of Commander Cast, and you'll know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> next right about week's episode. Here. All right, well, listen Calvin to this week's table. episode. Kind of like Calvin removes table from William's words. <laughs> Get her off as soon as possible because, you know, get her off as soon as possible. Get her off as soon as possible. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I ended up taking Tesa apart because that deck wasn't working for me anymore. I tried cycling through a bunch of different Orzhov commanders. Like, I'm pretty sure I tried most of them by this point, including Selenia. But. Tried a Fates. I think I was set to go with Tried a Fates at one point, but I was like. Nah, this idea is stupid. Let's just start it. What about <laughs> Ghost Dads? I did try Ghost Dads, but they were different. No, both, both, both go on Ghost Dad and Ghost Stepdad? I tried, tried them both. Like, I'm pretty sure the only one I didn't really try was uh, Athreos, and I was probably going to try him at some point if, before the Commander 2015 announcement was made. So, yeah, good old Tesa. I salute thee. She might make it into the new 99, but we'll have to see. That so, rhymes. So, this week on Commander Cast, if you like what we do here on the Commander Cast flagship show, that's what you're listening to right now, go ahead. Give us a tip. Yeah, give us a tip. Just this a tip. Just the tip. Why do I podcast with you guys again? Because you have no choice. I mean, I always have a choice. I can always find four random, four other random scrubs. Yeah. Yeah, but if you found, like, somebody other than me, then who would edit your show? This is true. And, you know, Clay is just adorable. I mean... Then you can find some random scrub, but why would you want to give up your man? Why would you want to give up your panda? Yeah, <laughs> these are all true. So and as far as can, like Aaron just, and Mark are concerned, yeah. you like you know we did what we could to drag them over here, and now you're just going to get rid of them. Yeah, That's just kind of like messed up. You can just kick me to the curb. I, I'm, I'm clearly expendable. I mean, like Calvin. Calvin has the editing abilities. Clay is completely you know not expendable. But you know I'm 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 here. I'm ready to go. So if you love all of our cast members, <laughs> so if you love all of our cast members here on Commander Cast Prime, go ahead and check out our website directly through our website every Monday. If you're on, if you're listening to this through the MTG Cast feed on iTunes or anything like that, you're about a week behind. Although I think I might change that up if we can get the Patreon going a bit. 
More on that potentially later. Tuesday, we alternate between Journey to Somewhere, where I take a journey to somewhere and talk about something. Yeah. So that's the thing that happens. And it alternates yeah, that's with... the best description we can give for that show, because quite frankly, I have like six of them in my computer. I never know exactly which one of the six I'm going to pick for the random week. Depends on how busy I was. Yeah, or it depends well, on like if we'll demand a specific one like right now. Well, then I push it back to the end. Well, that'll change because once you're through that queue, I'm going to be working on exactly one show every two weeks to keep them somewhat current. Actually, when I after we're done recording here, I'm going to head over to Card Academy in Reynoldsburg, Ohio, which is a fantastic shop and people should check it out. I'm going to bring my phone. I'm going to do some on the scene uh, questions and stuff for the Commander 2015. Yeah, beat reporter. <laughs> Working on it. William. Sounds awesome. So the flip side of those Tuesdays is Mark's Deck Builder Spotlight, which if Mark was here, he'd be able to tell you all about it. Like how last week, he interviewed someone's Hazazan Tamar deck, which it's always great to, to see some of the oldies getting some action. Wednesday, we have our strategy segments, which, let's see, they should be appearing sometime soon, I should think. What exactly am I talking about? Maybe you should check on our website and see for yourself. Thursday. Rivals Duel and The Stack with our very own Uncle Landrops. Yep. Hey, that's you, Aaron. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the show I've been, the show I've been working on for a little while. It's, it's been going pretty well. I think we're getting better every week or so. More or less. I've been meaning to get, to get you, you yeah. know, feedback. Like, actually, we, uh, yeah, you need to listen to like, I think episode five is probably our best one. Um, and, uh, it's my favorite one anyway, so far. Um, uh, we've, ha- we've had some real good ones. Um, it's the one where we did five top fives. So, you know, you got, you folks at home, if you want a good sample of what we're, what we're trying to get done, that's the one you want to listen to. Right. I think that was actually the last one I listened to. I've yeah. done, I marathon like two or three of those episodes right back to back because yeah. I make a point of, of listening to all of the content that we here produce to make sure that you, the listeners, get guaranteed Quality content. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm tripping all over my words. That NyQuil is some powerful stuff. This is the same man who says we get... We, he, he basically says he goes through all the content to make sure we get quality stuff, but then does what he can to give us journey to somewhere. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> Good Lord, Calvin. Right. Like a show, a show whose description is literally talking about something at some point in time. While in a car, going from one place to another. He can't even tell you where the hell he's headed. Doesn't even know where the hell he's coming from. It's, it's, it's just, ugh, something. It's a great name for his podcast. <laughs> Alrighty then. And of course, we wrap things up every Friday with our technology segments. And also, a little something called Squirecast. Matt and the boys actually just celebrated their one year anniversary, so kudos to them. Yay. Uh, I believe last Friday or this Friday. I, I know on one of the more um, recent episodes, they are having the boys from the Manipool join up with them to talk. I believe the episode is supposed to be aimed towards terminologies, cer- certain things like, uh, I don't know, like mirror matches, ramp, and all those other things that newer players may or may not know. So if you happen to be a newer player and you're listening to this, Check out the Squirecast episode, either last week or the one this Friday that will be coming up. 
And there should be an episode there that can help you understand why people are calling you a noob and all the other various magic turns and slangs. You get to understand what a double goif is, son. <laughs> oh, let's see. Actually, that let's see. The one that they did with turns, that's with Chewie and Mike, isn't it? Yeah, that's what he said. Ah, uh, yeah. I've been hearing Chewie talk about that all week. I'm looking forward to hearing that. All right. So if you want to join the, the conversations here on CommanderCast, go ahead, check out the comment section for all of our show notes, or head over to the Reddit section. We have a Reddit thread where a couple of people post regularly. Maybe you should, too. Let's go ahead and get that community started. So tonight, we will, of course, be doing the 2015 previews. Oh, boy. Or if you are in the future and listening to this, a look back. Ooh. Briefly. How nice. Or, or or if you're a squee over on Twitter, you've already found your decks and you don't need to be listening to us. Ah, but what if you're staring at the decks right now and you just need to figure out which one? You just want to spend a couple hours in that aisle staring at the decks, <laughs> listening to us tell you, no, 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 you want to get that red one. Come on, come on, you know you want to get play with that big girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's a huge bitch. <laughs> All right, so... I was thinking the exact same thing I was going to say because I was smoking and muted. <laughs> You're welcome. I didn't know Calvin smoked. I have a uh, electric cigarettes. Um, I don't like. I, I don't. I don't call it vaping because I think that's just stupid. Greed. <laughs> it, it, it's it's more like this. If I have a cigar, I don't change what I'm doing. I don't change the name of that. If I have a cigarette, I don't change the name of what I'm doing. Oh, suddenly now that I'm using something else, now I've got to change the terminology. That's just dumb. Nope, I'm good. It's smoking. <laughs> well, we take both of them out of the story when they need to do that anyway, so... Yeah. All right. So, like I said, 2015 Commander Previews. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Sweet. So, if you... <clears throat> okay, hold on. Ah, I need to die. William's down. He's... William's down. Mutiny. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Commander Cat's episode, Whoever Gives a Damn. This is Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Ritz and Randy Internet, and I am joined tonight with Aaron and with Clay. How are you doing tonight, gentlemen? Well. well. I'm doing well. Uh, good. Now that William's down, he's out for the count. I'm, be I'm not dead yet. No, 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 no. I'm getting better. No, 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 he's definitely dead. Throw him on the pile. I can get up. It's merely a flesh wound. <laughs> Alrighty then. So we're jumping straight into the Commander 2015 preview show, and we have 10 brand new commanders to look at and give our first impressions and thoughts and analysis on. Uh, Calvin is currently in transit, so he may or may not be muted during part of our discussions. I expect him to be here full in force when we get to the Boros commanders, though. But first, we're going to do this in ye old classic Wooburg order. Which for enemy colored commanders means that the first one up is the Orzovs. So, the first commander that we're going to be looking at tonight is, of course, the flagship commander of the black white deck. We've got a familiar face here. Dax. A familiar is, mask, is, maybe. Is it a familiar face? You can't see it. We don't know. <laughs> it's Dax, so it's the return, everyone. For one white black, we get a 2 2 zombie soldier. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you get an experience counter. Pay one white-black, put a white-and-black spirit enchantment creature token onto the battlefield. It has this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of experience counters you have. So before we start getting into Daxos himself, guys, 
let's go ahead and talk about experience counters. So, we have a cycle of commanders here. Each one of them says that when you meet X condition, you get an experience counter. You, the player, you're kind of like infect, uh, kind of like how infect gave you poison counters. You get experience counters. And these experience counters are relevant to whichever one of these legendary creatures you're playing. Noting that they don't necessarily have to be a commander, they could also just be in your 99. So, first, Aaron, I believe you have some very strong opinions about experience counters. Yeah, I, I mean, I do. Uh, my first impression of them is that I'm pretty much, a, uh, like, it's fine that they're there. I just don't like it. I, I think that, I feel often like Wizards gets this, like, you know, quick um, sort of ADD when it comes to mechanics and things. And what I would like to have seen instead of experience counters is stuff where they follow through with the flavor of the plane where the commander was from. Like, this could, these could all easily be changed and manipulated so that they weren't, like, unified by the fact that they were from the same product, but from their respective planes. And I think that that's, like, the biggest problem with, with what I see in design. I have no problems with, you know, the way that they work. I'm sure that they work fine. I'm sure that they're cool. Um, I just, I'm just not, like, that doesn't excite me at all. Um, and I feel if they had had a little bit more continuity with the story of Magic versus, like, just the, you know, making a product that has something cool about it, like they did with uh, 2013, I think that that was one of the biggest pitfalls for me in, in the 2013 design. Even though some of those cards are cool um, by themselves, they didn't just fit into the breadth of what Magic is. And I think that that's what we're seeing. And I have a real problem, like, with that in general, because I feel like it separates us from what magic is. Um, I also, and I also feel like they, if they just got back to the design in the days of, like, making cards to, and letting us make them work, it might be a little bit better. I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to get your thoughts on those two things. So, Clay, what are your thoughts on experience counters? Um, I think it's a really cool thing, um, because, like, especially with the past two years, um, they've wanted to have, like, a consistent, like, gimmick between all the decks, for lack of a better word. Like, in 2013, we had commanders that cared about the amount of mana spent to cast them. Last year, we had Planeswalker commanders. And this year, we're getting experience counters, which I'm really glad are chilling out in the command zone next to poison counters, um, from a mechanical standpoint, because... It provides a really solid, like, build-around-me foundation, which is what they're really going for with these decks. Um, like, with all of the Commander product that has come out, the the decks themselves are supposed to be kind of a starting point for the Commander that sits at the head, and the experience counters basically tell you this is what you should build around. And, yes, it kind of shoehorns you into specific things, so it kind of makes the building space narrow, but... The fact that experience counters don't reset when you have to uh, recast is really nice, and I think it's a cool new mechanic for them to explore. So, hold on, hold on. Oh, you got something, Calvin? So, my quick opinion about the experience counters is is that, one, I kind of like the idea that it's a mechanic that can actually be used. It can be tested here in this product. But because of the way it's written, it doesn't specifically have to deal with your commander. So it's an ability that could potentially be used in a future sense. So say, for instance, we go back to Zendikar sometime in the future, and instead of having level up and allies, those allies can now be able to gain experience or something, you know? <laughs> and I can easily see it being something that could be used for future things in Light Nature. And this also means that these cards can also be playable like in formats like, say, Legacy or others, like casual 60 card decks, 
without having to be directly tied to Commander. Like the previous ones, it's like, you know, like they can be used, but a lot of times, if you're not casting them multiple times, you're kind of missing the point. But with this, it's like you can have four copies of the Legend in your deck and still use it. But if you don't, then, oh well, you can still go ahead and play it as a casual Commander if you felt like it. Yeah. I, I guess it's like my, like, you know, I, I agree, but I also disagree. Like, there's, I have, I have some serious issues with, like, the fact that they haven't felt inclusive to these other parts of magic. Um, it's so easy to do. All you literally have to do is, like, make an ability, say, Metalcraft, like, for Izuri. All you have to do is, you know, connect this to Jund. Like, to me, like, Marin of Clan Neltoth, I have, I had no idea that this was on Jund. Unless unless you read about it or you try to understand it, it just doesn't connect to Jund at all. And what I remember is Jund. Um, I I don't know. I just I have a problem with that with that part of these designs. Like I said, the cards I have no problems with. They function. They they work. And you know they're going to be good and they're going to sell product. Um, you know I'm going to buy all the decks. I'm just I wish that there was something for me um, that that felt a little bit close. The closest thing I can think of in this in, the, in all the cards is one card and it's Cassetto. The, the Simic, um, Snake Wizard. Hmm. It's the closest thing I think that has any kind of flavor or representate, uh, represents its plane respectively. Like, I knew instantly that it was from Kamigawa. Hmm. Um, you know, you know Azuri is from Mirrodin, but when you look at the, the, if you looked at the card box on the bottom and you took away the creatures and all this stuff, uh, or not, you didn't even need to take away the creature type. Just take away the name. If you look at that, it doesn't feel like an Azuri card to me. You know? Hmm. I think Mizix does that pretty well too. Just like obvious, is it? I, I think it's reverse with Mizix. Like if you look at the top, you're like, "Yep, that's that's a you know that's a Ravnica card." But if you look at the bottom, maybe not. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think maybe you have some Electromancer illusions, you know, there. So maybe that's a little bit different. But I just those are my you know I, I'm not trying to nitpick. I just think that there were, could have been some better um, elements here that would have made this really feel. Um, really feel strong. Alright, so, my thoughts on it are that I can see where you're coming from, Aaron. And, you know, I can actually c- agree with you to a point that, yeah, they could have done a lot more with these cards to kind of connect them with the worlds that they're trying to show. Because, you know, and they said this in, like, the development or the design articles, that they like to use these products to kind of help show you what's been going on on those worlds while we're gone. So, in that respect, yeah. They definitely could have done a better job tying each of these creatures back to their home plane. On the other hand, though, the cards themselves are mechanically cool enough and compelling enough to me that I can actually just kind of overlook that and it doesn't actually bother me. That's just how, how I feel about it. Like, I, uh, going, just experience cards themselves as a mechanic, I think are really great because they help they make it feel like you're getting that really good investment on the man that you're spending late game. Like, if I'm going to have to cast Daxos a couple of different times, then I want to make sure that I'm trying getting some sort of good value out of him. And if I'm having to pay whatever he costs and hold three up so I can at least make a token after he hits the field, then I'm hoping for some sort of good investment back on what I've done. And the experience counts really help with that. But that's enough for experience counts. We'll give you our... Experience counts are just kind of weird because, yes, they are cumulative, and yes, they will be very powerful in some of these decks, it looks like, but we can't really give our complete thoughts on that until after we've had a chance to actually just play with the cards, which you'll get to hear it in a couple of weeks. But <laughs> let's go ahead and look at Daxos himself now. So, 
Daxos very clearly wants to be built around the champions, which I'm actually I'm actually okay with that. Like <clears throat> I like that he makes spirits by himself. I'm a little less of a fan that I have to be playing something for the spirits to mean anything. But a lot of the black white decks I want kept trying to build were heavy on a black white kind of enchantress theme anyway. So I'm okay with that. My only concern with Daxos is going to be: Am I going to want end up wanting to hold on to him until I can? play him, then cast an enchantment to get at least one experience count off of him. So I can't start just making guys, even if they're just one once. Uh, guys, what do you think about Daxos? Go ahead, Calvin. Alright. Well, the thing for Daxos is, is that on the plus side, his low mana cost makes him very use- easy to cast early, so you can be able to get a bunch of enchantments down on the field from casting them and stuff. That way you can get a bunch, build up a whole bunch of experience counters, and if Daxos does happen to die, then, you know, casting him a second or a third time isn't, like, out of, like, range. I mean, that's doable. It's just turn three, maybe turn five. Once he gets to turn seven, then you kind of question whether or not you want to do it, but depending on the amount of enchantments you have, you might do it, because he can always turn out those spirits for you. But the one thing that I would have to say would probably be the downside for Daxos, as opposed to some of the other, like, mono-white commander, um, not, not mono-white, the um, Orzhov commanders is, is that he literally locks you into an enchantment deck. If you were, like, just saying, like, playing one of the Ghost Counselors or something of that nature, you might be able to completely avoid, like, enchantments altogether unless you just really wanted to. But with Daxos, like, you can't avoid enchantments at all because if you do, your commander pretty much does nothing. He just becomes, like, what, a three-drop that's also... How big is he? A two-two? Yeah, he's a two-two. Yeah, so you have, like, a two-two zombie soldier... For your commander, but if you don't have any enchantments in your deck, then he's not making any spirits, because you have to remember those in, those spirits, those experience counts you get from him, only work from casting enchantments, not from when he activates his ability and puts one into play. Now, like, say, for instance, if his uh, experience ability said, like, whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield, um, into the battlefield under your control, then, yeah, he could easily pump himself, and you wouldn't have to build an enchantment deck. You could just play him and just put three mana into him, make a token token will blow up, but at least something came in and you get an experience counter. And, you know, therefore, and then so on and so forth until you start making miniature armies with them. Go ahead, Aaron. Oh, okay. My One of the questions that I had for you was in, in design on this deck, are you looking at trying to play like a like an almost, you're going to play Daxos, right, turn three, and then you're going to try to like just slam as many enchantments as you can, so you're just going to play a bunch of cheap stuff? Like, is that the game plan here? I honestly don't know. Like, Okay. I, I look at him and I go, okay, so I'm probably going to want to cast him, probably going to want to cast an enchantment that turn so I can make sure I can at least get a counter going. And I start looking at, like, the one causes and two drop pajamas and, like, there's some really cool stuff in there. But I don't know. Like, Daxos is cool. This, this, it, he compels me to build the deck around him, which is one of the things I ask my commanders to do. The other hand, I'm not sh- quite sure how I would go about that. I mean, fortunately, the, that's part of the reason why... I, I like the precons is that I can play the precon and modify it from there. And the precon itself actually has a really cool constellation type feel to it. So it's got that going for him. I just don't know what I, how I would be going about it until I've actually had a chance to play with them. Hmm. Okay. Well, one suggestion I would make, um, isn't there like, is, isn't there like a cycle for Rancor? Wasn't it like a cycle? There Was are like other ones that, that recycle themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I would suggest, like, maybe find, like, a black-white enchantment that does something similar to the Rancor effect, where it's, like, 
you cast Daxos, you cast the enchantment aura enchanting him, and then if he dies, the aura would go back to your hand so you can just cast Daxos again and cast the enchantment again. No, at least that way you would have like you know something to be able to continuously bring back with him. See, that's that. That's actually not necessarily what I'm talking about because like with tech, I can think of a billion different actual cards I would put into this Daxos deck. It's more along the lines of a what's the end product going to look like? Is it going to look like because there can be different ways to build black white enchantments? Like you can go black white tokens with heavy enchantment themes, which is actually part of what I like Daxos because he's actually just pumping out dudes by himself as long as you have at least one experience counter and you know you could go Voltron like maybe you just suit him up with a bunch of auras and he's making like a bunch of incidental really big guys you could play black white enchantment control you know there are different ways to build black white enchantments I'm just not sure which one that looks it works out to be for me Hmm. okay to me this seems like black the black white version of the Miri deck that I'm playing where like I get to I get to just slam enchantments on Miri because they're all cheap and they're all you know like um you know they're all one cost or two cost and it allows me to have like a draw engine because of the enchantresses. Here you you obviously don't have enchantresses, but you have some kind of way to get a little bit of value in your commander, sort of your enchantress. So like that would be my angle going into this. Um, just for my two cents. What do you have, Calvin? Uh, well, one thing I would have to say though is like um. You can still activate his ability and a token shows up and just dies, right? If yeah. he doesn't have any mm-hmm. experience encounters. So you could build a black deck that involves like um cards like Grave Pack. I mean there where is like you know, like where, where your creatures just show up and it's like you're not even playing enchantments for Daxos, you're just kinda of playing other stuff and you know, you use the Daxos to activate like uh three mana, put a token that comes in and instantly dies and Oh, look, now that my creature has died or gone to the graveyard, I get this effect, or I've got my morbid going so I can play this. I can now tragically slip the shit out of you if I felt like it. You know, things like that. It's also an enchantment creature, by the way, yeah. which is pretty dumb. Oh, it's also black and white, so it goes with uh, <laughs> Tessa, too, or Tessa, or whatever her name mm-hmm. is. Yep, I do like I do like that aspect. Like, I'm actually, I, uh, I didn't see the uh, the token arcana. But just from looking at the Eidolons and Daxos's art, they actually look really pretty. <laughs> okay, so Daxos, he, lo- he looks like a decent build around me, so I'm going to look forward to him. Let's go ahead and go on to the other black-white oh, commander. Oh, man. And, oh, <laughs> this this one's got me interested. Like he can, It's either going to be Daxos or Karlov of the Ghost Council for me. So Also known as the Creepy Uncle, or go- Creepy Ghost Uncle. There we <laughs> go. Actually, yes, I think that's pretty apt from what I remember from the novel. So, Ghost Uncle oh, is white and a black, just two mana, for a 2-2 Spirit Advisor. Whenever you gain life, put two 1-1 counters on Karlov of the Ghost Council. Pay white and black, remove six 1-1 counters from Karlov of the Ghost Council, exile target creature. So, the first thing, that, of course, that I thought of when I saw him was, damn, if only I could jam him into my Soul Sister deck. But then I thought, but then I thought, oh wait, this actually just looks kind of crazy in the black white Soul Sisters deck EDH version, because like, ignore the fact that you already have all those Soul Sisters forces the deck is named after, and the the Blood Artist variants, but you also get stuff like the the new Black Retreat that drains everyone for a life, everyone loses a life, you gain a life. Yeah. Like, like normally I don't like the bad Blood Artist effects, like the ones that say, oh everyone's gonna lose life and you gain one. 
as opposed to the uh gray merchant type of life draining where it's like, oh, you get you just get that much life. Like that was just objectively more powerful. <laughs> but with Karlov, you know, small incidental triggers like that, you know, just make him huge. And so he's actually just beating face himself. Yeah. Also, he kind of reminds me of one of Casper's uncles. <laughs> I was that's all I can think about. <laughs> Every time I see this card, that's I mean, that's what I thought when I saw Obsidat in general. Like I just thought it was like a more horrific version of Casper's uncles. And now we just have one Casper uncle. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. <laughs> all right. One creepy uncle. That's what yeah. he is. Even the flavor text kind of hints at it, right? Because he's, like, basically talking about, like, Tessa and how, like, um, Ambition runs in their family. So he's got to be related. I don't think he's her, I don't think he's Tessa's dad, but I can easily see him being Tessa's creepy uncle. No, he's... he's or a great, 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 everybody great, great, great has, like, like, man, everybody knows that, like, you know, like, I, I don't know what it is, but every family has at least that one uncle that nobody wants the kids around. And I look at him and I'm like, yeah, he seems like the kind of uncle that I would have to probably call child services on. So, so what do you guys think about Karlov? Karlov is freaking amazing. Like, the fact that he's a 2-2 for 2, and any time you gain life, he gets bigger. And not just, like, one counter, but two? That adds up really, really fast. Like, let, let me, let me see. Um, so, if you go turn one, and you play one of your soul sisters... Turn two, you play him, you gain a life, he gains two counters, you just played a 4-4 four, four on turn two. For um, two mana. You, for two mana. And then you follow that up next turn by playing, let's say, a Nyx Fleece Ram. You gain a life off your soul sister, he becomes a 6-6, six, six, you attack with it on turn three for six. Too bad he doesn't have lifelink, but then on your next upkeep, you gain a life, he gets bigger. You might play another another creature or even another soul sister or an Ajani's Mantra, or something like that. There's a lot of ridiculous things you can do with this. Um, and you've mentioned a lot of, like, jank. Like, Ajani's Mantra? Yeah. yeah never, I have sweet. I have not <laughs> seen people playing um, it. I just haven't seen people playing it. Before. Yeah. One really but, cool way that you could basically link Daxos and... Um, oh, man. Maybe I should save this for other 99 stuff. Uh, just on, like cool ways to link both commander themes together. So, so here's how I see it. Right, we go turn one, soul sister. Turn two into um, creepy grandpa. Right. Yeah. Yep. Turn three, we go into Daxos. Now, creepy grandpa is now six mana. Uh, is now a six six because you know the soul sister saw him and saw the creep and saw the Daxos. No, he's got two, uh, four plus one plus one counters. Yeah. Now, from this point forward, you don't have to play an enchantment at all. You just play three mana for Daxos' ability to put the Spirit token in. The Spirit shows up, dies, but so Sister still sees it comes in and still triggers and gives you another life. Yep. So as long as you've got mana, that Daxos, that, that uncle is getting much, <laughs> much bigger. And all you did was play three cards. Yep. And two of which came in this deck that we already know of. And then, I'm not sure, is Soul Sister's in that list? No, but there is, in fact, a Coinsmith. Yeah. Yes, that that was one of the big ones that I was going to suggest because that synergy is insane. Which Coinsmith is the the enchantment creature from Journey into Nyx that says Constellation. Whenever an enchantment, whenever you have enchantment enters the, your field, I it's stupid Nyquil. You gain one life. It gives you life for play, for having enchantments come into play. Yep. Like Daxos tokens. Yep. So 
Karlov is a ver- is another very strong contender for the black white commander spot for me. Uh, it's, I'm gonna need to mess around with him and Daxos quite a bit. I'll try swapping them around just at the head- helm of this commander deck, but I definitely feel like it's gonna end up being one of them, cause I could very easily see myself going back to the, oh we're just gonna put everything with extort into the deck, and sure we'll play our soul sisters. I mean, and if for whatever reason someone's still playing tiny leaders, he can be black white soul sisters and tiny leaders. Yep. This almost makes me wanna try building like a, Black White Soul Sisters Legacy deck just to play Karlov in a 60 card format. Is it bad that I was thinking the exact same thing? <laughs> no. Like, no, it's not. Like, you could play Bob and other stuff. Like, you, like, actually, well, you can play you, you play your Aether Vials, you play your One Drop Sisters, you play a bunch of Two Drops, you play Karlov, you play um, Bob, you play Blood Artist. You play your Wasteland. Yeah. It could be really cute. You just need to get scrub lands. Yep. Which aren't that expensive. They're actually among the three cheapest of the revised duels. I want to draft this out. All right. Play test it. Well, you can't do that just yet. Because now that we're finished off with the black-white commanders, let's go ahead and look at the blue-red commanders. So play. All right. Um, So we just had some, you know, Theros and some Theros flavor from... The, uh, the white-black one. And now we're going to stay on Karlov's plane and talk a little bit about Izzet. Um, the primary commander for the Izzet deck, which is called Seize Control, is Mizzix of the Is Magnus. It has a very, very Izzet name. Like, just a lot of Zs and Xs and Is everywhere. Um, and she is a 2-2 goblin wizard for two blue and a red. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost greater than the number of experience counters you have, you get an experience counter. So basically, if she's just come down, if you cast a one drop, you get an experience counter. After that, if you play a two drop, instant or sorcery, you get an experience counter, and then three, and then four, and then five, and then six, etc. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one colorless less for each experience counter you have. So it rewards curving out with said spells. So let's say I play Mizzix, and the next turn I play a land, I have five mana available to me. I cast Ponder, which is a one-drop. I get an experience counter. I do Ponder's effect, and then I cast Impulse for a single blue, um, because Impulse costs one and a blue, and it gets reduced down to blue. And because it has CMC of two, and I only have one experience counter, I get a second experience counter. Even if, even when, I'm only paying one mana for it. And then let's say I follow that one up with a Forbidden Alchemy that I'm casting for blue. Because I have two experience counters, it costs two and a blue, and it gets reduced down to blue, and it CMCs three, so I get another counter, etc. So Mizzix rewards curving out and allows you to cast a lot of spells really quickly, and I'm really excited when we hit the other 99 segment for talking about my own brainstormed idea for how I just want to snowball out of control with this amazing goblin. Yeah, I like the fact that you can literally just play nothing but X spells in our hey, deck. Hey, 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 don't, don't ruin it. It's, 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 not, it's not other tech, it's fact. You, if you're, as long as you're playing an X spell, you will always be able to increase your experience yes. counters. That, that is that is the the reason why I built the deck the way that I did. And I will definitely link in the show notes 
um, to my preliminary build. Ooh, excellent. Once we get to that segment. What do you think, Aaron? I, I like this idea quite a bit. Like, I mentioned to Clay on Twitter when he put this idea out. I said it's the first legit idea I can see with this commander working. Um, my, my worry about some of the experience counter ideas is that you're going to have to, there's going to be kind of a swell. Like, you're going to have to try to almost combo out your cards the, the following yeah. turn if you can get them to stick, stick. And like, Mizzix is the biggest example of, of that. <laughs> Like, you pretty much have to try to get two or three experience counters the turn after she comes into play, or else you're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. Like, the, big trouble. Hardest, like, I think, yeah, I, I just think hardest, it's really hard. The hardest part I see about playing this deck will be once your opponents know what's going on. Like, all, all of the experience counter commanders are blatant removal targets. Like, they will get shot off the board as fast as possible. So being able to know what your opponents might have and being able to protect them when they're down to be able to use the secondary abilities. Because while you get the experience counters and they don't reset when your commander gets killed, they have to be on the battlefield for that second ability to be active. Yeah. Um, the, uh, like, the cool thing, though, is that you have Condescend. You have Logic Knot if you need it. You know, like, there's there's plenty of ways I can see around it. Um, just, you know, for dealing with what happens when they know, you know, that's like a, that's a real thing that happens with commander decks. Um, I, like I said though, like I think you have to get, like, you have to chain two or three, like the turn after she comes into play, or else I think the turn that that you play them. Yeah, you know. If you play it like turn six or seven and you have some extra mana. That might be that might be the actual play here. Uh, I I'm interested to see how this one's going to work out. Like I said, I I got all the decks, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be testing this one out too. I'm I'm interested to see how they all play. Oh, syncopate is so much value in this one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So yeah. play. Who's commander number two? All right. Our second commander. Um, I'm not sure what plane he's from. I almost want to say like Vryn, but. I, I guess I don't know if like Vryn or like what's Chandra's? No, is it no no no? That's not it. Um, what's Chandra's called? Um, Kaladesh. Maybe. Um, but anyways, um, our secondary commander is Arjun, the Shifting Flame. It's a five-five Sphinx Wizard for four, a blue and a red. He has flying, and whenever you cast a spell, put the cards in your hand on the bottom of your library in any order then draw that many cards. So, <laughs> there's a lot of things we could do with this, just because it's really funny, and all of them have to do with drawing a lot of cards really quickly. The The biggest problem with Arjun is that unless you cast, like, a cantrip spell that replaces itself, you're going to be going down a card every time. And each time you get new cards, you basically only get to choose one of them, unless you have some instants that you can chain together. Um... I think it's hilarious that they're printing this. Um, I don't think he will surpass the original Niv-Mizzet as far as red-blue card draw goes, but he certainly has some hilarious and dumb combos that you can do with him. Yeah, Mind Moil, Mind Moil the Creature is is pretty cool. <laughs> I I actually really like that, but I also really like this artwork. Um, I, I mean, yeah, the, the tail being like, you know, kind of this fire ice thing going on. And yeah. um, overall, I just felt like it was a very, is it colored card? Uh, <laughs> and I really enjoyed the the fact that they made my Moil a, a creature. Like this is a yeah. card that I actually was excited about 
um, you know, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, I was like, nice. <laughs> um, one of the cool things that I like about this, the idea of, um, having mind moil and Arjun out and then being able to combo <laughs> with like multiple cards. And yeah. if you have, if you can get to magical Christmas land with the, uh, with the, the wizard, um, equipment that lets you draw that gives plus one plus one. You kind of have like instant commander kill, right? Like yeah. you can get there, I think. So my my magical Christmas land Arjun deck is basically a bunch of zero cost spells. Um the only problem is that oh, yeah. you definitely need to have like Vidalkan Archmage, which draws a card every time you cast an artifact to be able to replace those cards as you cycle through. Um but curving out turn five either with Psychosis Crawler or Alhamarit's Archive into Arjun, into free spells. Like, I'm going to cast this guy, um, and then I'm going to cast um, a Welding Jar. I'm going to put six cards on the bottom, and I'm either going to draw six and you all lose six, or I'm going to draw 12. And then I'm going to cast a thing, and then I'm going to draw 22. Yeah. And then just chaining them together, finding some way to get Arjun off the field to be able to cast your Laboratory Maniac, or, like, in the middle of that, get it on the field. Just be like, whoops. <laughs> yeah, well, the idea here is that you also have, uh, Arjun, I think, is one of the most, um, flexible, I guess you could say, commander cards that was designed. Cause to me, mm. like, again, you have a card that can either go in the 99 or be a commander, and it would be very well. I think the transition would be flawless. Yeah. Like, any time that you could play Mind Moil, you could also play Arjun, if your deck does that sort of thing. Let's or see, how much does Mind Moil cost? Okay, it costs one or less. Red. Yeah. Uh, so my thought is that I think because his name is the Shifting Flame, it's actually kind of a blue flame on his tail. You know, kind of like yeah. kind of like oh, Alice okay. yeah, what right. Azula was doing. Right. Okay. She's a cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> I mean, the co- she, I mean, she gets a little better in the comics, but come on. Yeah. All right. So Arjun, super crazy. Um, I'm. Hold on. Oh, the one thing I wanted, the one thing I would have to say about Arjun though is, is like uh, we discussed. No, yeah, Clay already discussed the um, eggs combos and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, so never mind then. Continue, because that's the only thing. Because that's the only thing that comes to my mind: eggs and storm. When I see this card, that's all I can think of. Sweet. Oh yes. Oh well, you don't cast the copies on storm, but you could still do it. Yeah. Yeah, but like still, like every time you do cast something from it, like say for instance, like you combine uh, Storm slash Eggs decks with Arjun, all of those eggs you drop for zero that you would then sacrifice to draw a card to replace themselves would just be cards that you've cast for free, and inevitably you'll find your grape shot and just shoot somebody for like 48. Sweet. Sounds great. I am still a little disappointed that we didn't get our blue-red artifact D commander. I mean, we had artifacts in one of the decks last year. I mean, yeah, but it would have been nice to see a Blu-ray commander that said, hey, build me around artifacts. I mean, that's just me personally, and maybe a, a few other people, but there we go. What William's really saying is he wanted to print a commander version of a Planeswalker for Dak Vaden. Yep, that's exactly what he's saying. So, our next color combination is for Mark, who is not quite here. So, who wants to read Marin of Clan Nail Toth? I'll do it. All right. So, so Marin of Clan Neltoth is a two black green human shaman legend. Um, she's a three four, and whenever another creature you control dies, you get an experience counter. At the beginning of your end step, choose target creature in your graveyard. If that card's converted mana cost is less than or equal to the number of experience counters you have, return it to the battlefield. 
Otherwise, put it in your hand. <laughs> so she is just disgusting amounts of value. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Clay, why don't you go ahead and get us started? What, what, what are your thoughts on this card? I am one of probably many thousands of people who nearly shit their pants when they saw this card, just because of how blatantly powerful it is. Um, like, I am flabbergasted over this card. <laughs> That's so, all I really have to say about that. Okay, Aaron? Well, you- if if I'm supposed to sum it up in one word, like we normally do, it would be disappointed because I wanted it to be Death Right Shaman's mom. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Like, she looks like Death Right Shaman's mom. She looks like she would, you know, be like, hey, I want to teach you how to be a better Death Right Shaman. But instead, she's from Jund. <laughs> so, there you go. Just That's still my- pretty damn cool. It's, it's cool, but it just, like I said, if I didn't, if I hadn't had to look that up, I wouldn't have known. So, I like her quite a bit as a black green reanimator card. It's not going to be a secret that, you know, you play stuff like Mulge and Sayers Wayfinder. It might have something to do with the fact that last week I got to do those Innistrad flashback drafts on Moto, and mm-hmm. I actually got to play the self-mill, win with Laboratory Maniac and Kissed Cage Breakers deck <laughs> with nice. Spider yeah, Arachnophilia? Yeah, like... That dumb deck. That that was a very fun deck to play, and the thought of being able to recreate that in Commander form is quite titillating, to say the least. I don't see Marin actually repra- replacing Farika. Farika's got nothing to worry about here. But Mar- but stick Marin into a Carador deck, and... You got a stew yeah. going. Yeah. You got a stew? Like, Carador's already absorbed Titania. Adding Marin in there, just... Carrot is actually just absorbing all of the pre-con commanders now. It's kind of scary. <laughs> it's like the Galactus of commanders. <laughs> kind of, yeah. So, yeah, Marin's really powerful. They, they're actually even speculating that she might see some fringe legacy play in, like, some bug decks and all, and all that. Mm. But... If she sticks until the end of the turn, you've got instant value. I would, do. I would say just having a board presence and a free sack outlet like a Viserys here automatically guarantees that you're going to get some sort of value the next time she hits the field. Because remember, she drinks at the beginning of the end step. Yeah. Plus her deck just comes with spider spawning. <laughs> and some Ooh. other sweet, sweet spider-related attack. Ooh, you know what's really cute in Legacy? If you have her on the board and, like, a Viserys here... And you have another one in hand, and they try to remove her. You sack her to the Viscera Seer. She sees herself die, so you get... Or is it another target? Anyway, Whatever another, another creature dies. Yeah. <sighs> and see, but see, in Carador, if you have Darn. the Seer Seer in there, you just loop it with Karmic Guide and Revlock, and you have infinite experience counters. So you just shoot... <laughs> so you just... So it's like you're playing this guy, and you just shot yourself to level 9,999. Gosh... Actually, I kind of want to put I kind of want to put the series here back in the Carador deck just so I can do that. <laughs> Good lord! Why wouldn't you be playing this Vizier anyway? Because I didn't like the fact that I could actually just get infinite scries with Karmic Guide and Revlark. But now, if, but if I can get infinite experience counters, that's something else entirely. <laughs> now so, for something completely different. Yes. So, Aaron, why don't you don't you go ahead and read off Mazarik for us? All right. All right. So, Mazarik Crawl Death Priest. What a mouthful. Mouthful. Crawl Death Priest. Three green black. Two two flyer. Uh, whenever a player sacrifices another permanent, 
Put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. And this creature is an insect shaman, which is what Mark really, really, really enjoyed. In fact, he wrote in his email, I like insects a lot, or something like that. Uh, why Why are the Golgari commanders this year insane? Why does this one look like he should be starting in Starship Troopers? We just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. This is a... Actually, this one might make it into Farika, just because she has kind of a, a little bit of a staxy build. Mm. But whenever a player sacks another permanent... Yeah, that, 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 that means yourself, guys. That means yourself. That means Fetch your opponents. Lands. That means that dog over there with the shifty eyes. Just that that means that if you have a bunch of colorless creatures and you cast all this dust, they're gonna get really big. It means that when <laughs> you play this with all those scions. Oh, it comes with skull clamp and altars reap. Yeah. Ooh. And I like this deck. Just play I want it. it. <laughs> just play it with Eldrazi tokens. And yeah. while you're ramping up to yeah. play bigger stuff, all your stuff gets bigger. What was the uh, what, what's that uh, green and Eldrazi um, enchantment that just turns out uh, from, zero beyond. from beyond from beyond and awakening zone? Yeah, you put those in there, and now it's like not only do you have mana sources, but you now all of the mana sources you have come in as like fucking like five fives and six sixes and stuff. Stick a Geyer Sage in there. My God, oh, man! Yeah, like there's it. a storm a brewing. I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a storm. That's a deck, which oh. may or may not have. The storm was the last deck we were talking about, Aaron. Focus. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm See, so no, sorry. No, no. See, this could be Gravestorm. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Just, yeah, the black-green commanders are both incredibly potent this year. Just, <laughs> like, it's a 2-2-4-5, it's a which by itself is not impressive, but you're putting one kind of on it for each time you sacrifice a creature. So he himself is going to get big fast. Yeah. And he flies. And he's green. So, like, that five-cost mana isn't even, like, a thing. <laughs> it's really not. Overall, yeah, the black-green commanders look just dumb. Just plain old dumb. <laughs> just really, flat-out stupid. Really dumb. I will say, though, I don't think there are any... Com- of these ten commanders that we're reviewing right now, I think they could all find homes within currently existing decks without necessarily becoming commanders themselves, which is actually right. pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all do have spots somewhere, even the next couple. Yep. I really is looking forward to these two. So, Calvin, why don't you go ahead and introduce them? All right. So the first one we have is Kalima, the Disciple of Iros. It's two colors in a red and a white. It's a giant soldier, and it's a 3-3. Three, three. Okay. Now, it also has double strike, and it also has vigilance. I could stop right there if I wanted to. I mean, a four mana, six three legendary creature I can use that can attack and block for me. Sign me up. <laughs> oh no, but Columbia, she, this, this was a, sight, a, a, a sassy little giant because apparently she decided she wanted to get some get in on the experience counter action as well. So whenever you cast a creature with a converted mana cost of five or greater, you get an experience counter. And then Kalimili, uh, Kalimili basically says she gets plus one, plus one for each experience counter you have. So this 3-3, three, three, once you cast it, if you cast a 5-5, five, five, you get the experience counter. Now, from that point forward, from all, from that point forward on in the game, she's a 4-4, four, four, period. Or a 5-5, five, five, <laughs> or 6-6, six, six, or a 7-7 seven, seven, vigilant double striker. So with her, all you really need to do is cast, like, two 
creatures. What is it creatures or is it spells? It's creatures, creatures. All right, just double checking to make sure I've didn't misread yeah, it. You got it right. Yep. Yeah, so it's like all you gotta do is cast like two creatures with like converted mana cost of five or bigger. I don't know. Like two creatures that I would easily say would go in this deck are obviously the Titan, Sun Titan, and Infernal Titan. And they're already she in the deck. You, yeah, you you play her, you play Sun Titan, boom, you now have a four for a general for four. You pay Infernal Titan after that, you now have a five five double striking vigilance, which means she can now hit your opponent for ten and still be able to block and still be able to block. <laughs> Did I mention that she can still be able to fucking block? How many times does she get to block? Does she get to block an additional creature for each time that you say you, like I, she gets like, to block? Like, I wish. I, like, like, I, like, I wish there was, like, an ability where I can, like, attach a hundred-handed one onto her. <laughs> Isn't that an actual Never block all the things. Uh, what was that? There's the, uh, there is actually just the, uh, the circlet from Scars of Mirrodin, though. That's her block, block an additional creature. Yeah, but I want, like, the hundred-handed one. I want to get, like, a like a shit ton of experience counters to slap her down and then just block every fucking thing. Like, I'm goddamn E-Honda. Just slap this shit out of your entire token board. So, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of problems. This is the card that I think, like, spawned my hatred for experience counters. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, here's my problem. Like, I don't have any issues with the way that it's worded experience counter-wise. My problem is with, like, the flavor. Like, how does that work? Like, how do, how is she a disciple of Eros? Why should I care that she's a disciple of Eros? Like, I I feel like this card, when you look at the deck, you see a 100,000 giants in this deck, which is awesome, and I'm very happy about that. What I'm upset about is the fact that this should have been a Lorwyn creature, and I just don't, I'm not seeing anything other than that, and I don't. It, that really disappoints me. That's what I'm. I'm just very disappointed by the the name of this card. <laughs> um, you know, Calvin. Calvin hit the high points. Those. That's my low point. Like I really have a problem with this name. I want to rename it and I want to give it a completely different block. Yeah. Like don't give me. I, I'm. I fully understand exactly where Aaron's coming from. It's like if you look at it. This no, she doesn't have the devotion thing. So, I mean, she can devote to Iros, but. If you were the kind of person, like, telling me that this is a disciple of one of the gods from, like, Daryl's block, I would expect that devotion cost to at least be, like, that, that four mana should have been, like, double red, double white. Then I'd be like, yeah, 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 that that's a disciple for Iros, all right. That girl shows up and Iros is there. He's pretty much ready to go. She's powerful, <laughs> and I, I think that that's where they got the, the flavor from, but it, it it's not enough for me to for me to write home, you know? <laughs> Okay, so flavor like flavor wise, she's a yeah. fail. Total. But gameplay wise, I personally <laughs> she... think she's going to be fun to play with. She's good. She gives she me a reason the... to play fatties. She is the anti lock, and I am okay with that. She is. I would have to say, like, the okay. one downside for it is, is that because she's in red and white, she's going to have a difficulty getting the mana ramp up there to potentially mm-hmm. cast all those big fatties. That, like, that you know, is she was... one of the only oh, yeah. problems. Just like you want to play giant tribal. And just making sure that you have the mana to do so in those colors is slightly iffy. But it's really right. cool that we now have a really good giant tribal commander. But what I'm thinking would happen with the deck would have to be mostly about, like, I'm not sure if it's the actual, like, because I can't really see the pre-constructed deck right now. But I would just say that in future references that the best thing for her would be, like, Urza Incubators and all these other things where, you can reduce the casting cost of your giants. So, like, you're still playing them for cheap, but they're still converted mana cost five or greater, so they're still activating her experience. 
<laughs> yeah, it's actually in there. Urza's incubator is in there, and so is uh, I thought there was another one in here too that reduced the the cost. Uh, of the stuff. goblin that steals the goblin that stole the giant's tooth from yeah, uh, Marwin. Stink Drinker. Stink yeah. Drinker, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stink Drinker Daredevil, yep, yep. Also in here. So, so I just love the fact that you can have the deck be called Death by Snoo Snoo. But now you make it so. Now you make it seem like I actually need to find like a whole bunch of like female giants now. And there's not that many of them in Magic. Well, I can't build that deck. Hey, Snoo Snoo's not exclusive to women. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So Cal- okay. So we didn't do the flagship commander for that deck. But Calvin, who's this other woman? Oh, the other individual for this deck. That would be Anya, the Merciless Angel. That's three colorless, white and a red. Angel, legendary creature, of course. And it's a 4-4. And it has flying, because angels have wings. And Anya has this ability on her that says she gets plus three, plus three for each opponent whose life total is less than half of their starting life total. And as long as life total, and as long as an opponent's life total is left in half of their starting life total, Anya also becomes indestructible. Now, you know how typically, when people ask me about how to play aggressive in EDH, and I try to tell them the best thing you could do is spread the damage out. That way people don't notice you're being aggressive. And then by the time people notice our life points are low, you can just go ahead and just start smashing face. Because you don't want to single out a single individual. Because, you know, if you start hitting one particular person, you might end up getting on their bad side. Or, yeah, you knock somebody out the game, but you have two other players who just kind of kept building while you knocked him down. Anya just kind of steps around that and says, no, 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 I want you. To send everything you've got at him and only him, I will take care of the others because after he's down to 20 or 19 or whatever you get him down to, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be indestructible, and as long as he's alive, I will beat the hell out of everybody else in the game for you. You just keep attacking him and just make sure he doesn't die. (laughs) Yeah, the Russian mail order bride. Yeah, and, and typically by the time he dies, someone else's life total is already down half, meaning Anya's up probably getting plus six, plus six, or still smashing face all over the board. Just, uh. Yeah, when your opponents have less than half their life, you send in the Russian mail order bride, and everything's okay. Yeah, and she's a great late game. It's like, don't even cast her, like, until, like, like even if you didn't, like, cast her, like, you just played a regular game of Commander, and you never cast her once. Then you happen to look around the board and everybody's at like 18 or 4 or 16 or whatever. Oh, like now my commander that I've never cast is getting plus 9 plus 9. Well, I have a question for you. So, Calvin, as the Resident Boros player, do you feel like like this is a really good option for this deck considering like what the Boros weakness is, which is not being able to finish the game? Like essentially if they if you run out of cards? But the, uh, the thing that I would say is the the good thing is, like, I actually kind of like uh, Kalima more than the Angel myself. Okay. Because, you know, Kalima gives me a reason to play a different style of deck involving creatures that are bigger than the typical smaller Boros creature. And in that deck, this Angel works perfectly fine because, you know, she'd also call us five, so she gets a chance to give you the um, experience counters if need to. That's fine. She also, you're also playing much bigger creatures, so you can be a little bit more aggressive. So I think that the pre-constructed deck will play totally different from what the typical Boros deck would be. But her and herself as a commander, in a way, I kind of see why she's there. Because she kind of forces you to play commander in a way that typically would go against what you would want to do. 
but she also rewards you for being a newer player who just decides, or being like a mean, vicious dick who decides to just kick the teeth in of the guy who got mana screwed or the guy who couldn't find his creatures. Well, I guess, I guess what I see here is like, you know, you play a deck that's, you know, pretty typical Calvin Brew from what I understand. Like, you're, you're playing, you know, tokens, you're playing all this stuff, and you're just battling, you know, that's what your deck does. And then you have this commander who says, okay, well, once your deck is effectively doing what it's supposed to be doing, as long as it's doing that, you're going to get rewarded. And to me, like, Anya, in, in that way, feels like a lot stronger of a commander than Kalimni, whereas Kalimni feels more of the same of what you're trying to do. I guess that, that was my sort of question that I was asking. So my thoughts are that Anya stands better on her own than Kalimni does. Kalimni is very good, but... Anya actually feels like a much stronger finisher. Hmm. Like, I actually think Aaron hit, hit it on the head. Anya's rewarding you for doing what you want to do, which is beat people down, but then feel bad that they're kind of taking all this damage and move on to someone else. You know, kind of <laughs> keep it around, but keep it around so that they're just kind of precariously there. So that later in the game, when, when they do start building up a board position and start becoming relevant, then you can just bump them off all nice and easy-like. Hmm. I think they both reward you for wanting to for doing what you want to do, but what you want to do are two different decks for each one. Like, one of them is the giant tribal, the other is the Boros, I'm going to kill you deck. So it really just depends on what your game plan is. Yeah. Like, I can see Anya going into the Kalia deck, but she's probably going to go into the Aurelia deck. Hmm. That's where I would put her, in the Aurelia. Oh, yeah. So you just start beating people. You do. I, mean, I, the, the thing is, if you put her in the Kalia deck, you could also play Havoc Festival. You could. <laughs> that is a thing that you could do. And then everyone is dead. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, you can play, you know, quite a spike, and even the new one. And even so the new one. be like, instantly turned on. Ooh. Anya gets turned on pretty easily then. <laughs> Anya, Anya, the instantly turned on deck. Yes. Alright. Yes, it is. So, overall, I like the two, the two new red-white commanders that we got. Yeah, it, for most people are going to complain that it feels more like the same of what we have, but at the same time, a red-white kind of feels like a, co- a combination where it's like, you don't want to try and cover your weaknesses, you just double down on what you're good at. So, on that note, we're going to go into our final color combination, Aaron. Yep. Who do we have here? We have the deck called Swell the Host. It is the Simic deck. And our um, flagship commander is Azuri, the Claw of Progress, because apparently he only has one claw, and it's progressive. Um, his, uh, <laughs> he's a 3-3 elf warrior for two green-blue. And uh, whenever a creature with power two or less enters a battlefield under your control, you get some experience points. Counters, whatever. At the beginning of combat <laughs> on your turn, put X plus one plus one counters on another target creature you control, where X is the number of experience counters you have. So, overall, I I don't really have an opinion on this. You guys want to start? Kick it off. I really want to see... Meanies, man. Meanies. I really want to see Izuri infect. Like, there's something to be said about playing Cassetto infect because he makes him un- unblockable. But with Azuri, he, I, I, I want to see the, in- the blue-green infect deck. Fair. Also, just that revelation when you see that Azuri got turned. Like, Azuri was a dick, but come on. No one deserves that. <laughs> he looks kind of like a League of Legends character a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Like, oh. Tariq, he's talking about how he has the Iron Man chest. <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> nice. Okay, so 
Azuri by himself. One, it's going to be super easy to trigger him unless someone got a Torpor Orb out, which you're agreeing. Why are you worried about Torpor Orb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just making guys really, really big. Like, yeah. never mind that you can just turn your random Memnite into a 7-7 somehow. Putting counters on the thing... Like, people are already talking about the obvious quote-unquote combos with stuff like Sage of Hours where you just go infinite after so many experience counters. And, like, that doesn't really interest me as much as thinking, like, okay, well, now your Gyre Sage just makes so much more mana. (laughs) Or your... Uh, your biomancers are getting silly. Yeah. Oh, 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 or your uh, your blood spore thrin axe. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> or your blood spore thrin axe. Hey oh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, infinite turn combo aside, Azuri just looks really powerful. Yeah. But I was um, like, I just really want to see that blue green infect build. Like, like, uh, like Marin, he gets value as soon as he comes down if you have like a follow up. Um, like, not as quickly as Marin, but, like, if you go Izuri into a creature that triggers it, um, it's at the beginning of combat on your turn. So, you play him first main phase, you have a couple experience counters already from a previous cast, uh, you get to make something bigger immediately, and probably, you know, beat someone up with it. Question. Yes. If you're If you're able to, like, turn power Izuri down, like, say, I don't know... You have some minus. He enters with minus one, minus one counters or something. Does he trigger himself? Yes. Yes. <laughs> if, because when he enters the battlefield, state-based actions are checked. Like, say your opponent has Elishnorn out. Yeah. <laughs> so he enters as a one-one, and his ability triggers when a creature with power two or less enters the battlefield. Yes, he sees himself enter, and okay. he triggers off of himself. That would be. He triggers would, himself. I think that would be the like the ideal play is to make sure that a Azuri triggers himself and then you you start to get good pound town. <laughs> um, like Will said, I'm also interested in the infect version. I've seen on Twitter there's a couple of people that have been talking about it and showing pictures of what they're brewing. Hmm. Uh, I, I think that they would be those would be pretty fascinating decks. I'm not sure that it's gonna work. I think that people I think that the that people are are smarter. Um, <laughs> You know, these days with, with Commander, you know, like, they'll see it once, and then, you know, what do you do when you have, when you know, when people know your trick? So, for me, I'd just be really happy to be able to get a super big Solemn Simulacrum, which is what I'm going to be able to do in the pre-con, so <laughs> I'm I'm very excited about that, but I'm not, I'm not particularly, like, I, I don't know. When I saw it, I was like, okay, interesting art, kind of cool ability, uh, you know, I'm going to have to see how it plays, and I, I, I just... I don't know. Again, experience counters. Not not really digging on them yet. So our next one. Um, do we have any more comments, or are we get to move? Uh, Calvin, did you have anything? Nope. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Cassetto Orochi Archmage is one blue green, uh, two two legendary snake wizard, and has an activated ability of blue green. Uh, target creature can't be blocked this turn. If that creature is a snake, it gets plus two plus two. So this is a card right after Mark's own heart, I think. This is finally the Snake Wizard tribal deck that he gets to have and dream about. He's been dreaming about, and we've all really been dreaming about for a long time. Uh, I think that this is going to be a very powerful um, creature, card, deck, um, just from kind of all facets. I think that this is, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's going to be an enjoyable deck. You know, it's got flavor. It's, you know, it's just a cool, I don't know, I really like it. 
It's uh, Coiling Oracle the deck. Oh, yeah. You can play <laughs> Coiling Oracle, Snake too? Elf. Snake oh, Elf. Oh, good lord. Yeah. yeah. Snake Wizards, bro. It's a Coiling snake. Oracle is in the deck. It's a snake that's also a wizard. That's also yeah. an elf. It's, can, it's, it's candy and stickers in chocolate and foil in a box. <laughs> What's in my wonder ball? <laughs> <laughs> so, the mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. It could be a boat. It could even be a snake infect guy. Yeah. Because there is a snake that has infect. Oh, dude, Orochi hatcheries in the stack? Yeah. Cool. This list, this list is sweet. I can't wait to get to talking about the lists because there's, there's some really cool stuff going on. Okay, so. What if you weren't making Snake Tribal? Like, where do you see this guy fitting in that scenario? Like, as a replacement Edric, essentially, right? Yeah. Like, for those of you who don't like Edric, Amazon, you know, recommends you play Cassetto. <laughs> Edric. Oh, Edric. Uh, he's also really good with just, uh, what, what does Wizards call them? Saboteur abilities? The yeah. ones when they hit an opponent? So they're oh, just yeah. like, okay, Trigon Predator's unblockable, blow up your thing. That sort of thing. Dude, you could make Stormcrow unblockable. Ooh, blue-green ninjas. Stormcrow? Heck yeah. I would do it. Uh, wait, uh, would you do that with a ninja? Yeah. Because wouldn't a ninja already be unblockable with the creature? Oh, actually, no. I, I get it. You, you make, make the creature the unblockable, creature unblockable and then attack and then swap it out with ninja too. Got it. Never mind. I actually, so you have snake ninja deck? Seems cool. I can actually <laughs> see putting Cassetto into my Derevi deck. Make some guys mm-hmm. unblockable, untap some stuff. Make your scythe claw unblockable. Make yeah. your scythe claw unblockable. What kind of it, monster are you? It fits well with what you're doing in there, Will, with like your sort of Avengers Assemble legendary theme. Kind of, yeah. She's she's just kind of pseudo sissy at this point. <laughs> yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Alright, so Cassetto, really cool. <clears throat> um I feel like there was something else we could have said about him, but I got Kamigawa. <laughs> like yeah, I got, got, like I mean, I guess he's another tiny leader. If, peop- if that format's not dead yet, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been following it very much. Well, there you go. So guys, we've gone through all ten of the commanders here. Oh, wh- what do we think overall? I think they're all really sweet. Like I would not mind building any of these. Yeah, I well, need more information. You get a chance to chime in on everything. They all do look pretty awesome. I need more info, big time. Yeah, like they all look su- super sweet. I'm with Aaron on this one. The flavor could have been done a lot be- better to tie them more closely to the planes they wanted to represent. But mechanically, I think they're just fine. Yeah, right. And the one thing I would have to say there was I do kind of like the fact that the majority of them feel like they are like commanders. Like, because typically when we get the commanders for these particular decks, a large portion of them always feel like this commander is designed for X deck that does not have a commander for it. And most of these feel like they would fit right in the helm of, like, ten totally different decks that normally wouldn't have a commander. Like, you know, you want your Snake Wizard deck? Here, take this. You want your deck that rewards you for beating the hell out of one guy? Here you go, take this. Oh, yeah, you want a deck for all of those, uh, you, you want to play eggs? You want to play enchantments? You want to play life game? Here's some commanders for each of those individual decks. You know, most of them actually feel like they, and they all go down like separate routes to make them feel different. Yeah. Final thought. You know who has two thumbs and is really happy they didn't reprint Bassandra Battle Seraph? Calvin. 
This guy. This guy right here. I am totally, like, if, if I'd have seen that card, I would have intentionally have not bought the deck. They would, would, the preview would have came around, they're like, so, Calvin, you played the red-white deck? Or they're like, hell no. I didn't want a copy of Miss Sandra Bettersen in my fucking, you know, in my fucking collection. Yet another. Like an idiot. Okay, actually, that was a good point. Real quick, let's go over, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna list off real quick the, uh, reprinted commanders. From, let's see if I can do this from memory. It's Tesa, Envoy of Ghosts, which is the Tesa from Dragon's Base, the 4-4 with Vigilance Protection from human, from creatures. And whenever a creature deals damage to you, she's gonna bump that guy off and you get a spirit. The blue-red one is Melek, Is It Paragon, which is the Is It Maze Runner, the 2-4 weird wizard who says that if you cast a spell off of your library, which she does the Future Sight thing, then you can copy it. The black-green one is Gerard, Golgari Lichlord, who gets 1-1 for every creature in your graveyard. And you can pay three. Sense of theme. Sack a guy. Everyone loses power equal to the creature's power. Uh, the blue green one is Prime Speaker Zagana, the fish wizard, who is my green blue commander. And she says she comes into play with ca- counters equal to the highest power among creatures you control. And then you draw cards equal to her power. So basically, for four of the five decks, they were like, well, we need another two color commander. Let's go back to Ravnica. I guess. And for then, bonus and points, then, can you name the monocolored ones? And then the Boros reprint is actually just Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight. The seven drop, five five, first strike angel that doubles all the damage to everyone who's not you and has all the damage that is you. Yep. Yep. So the bonus points, can you get the bonus points, Will? I was not looking at the monocolor commanders in this list. I, I know one of them off the top of my head. Okay. Jareth, yep. Nine Titan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah. It just gets really big whenever okay, he blocks. Okay, so Jared is in here, but I wasn't aware of the other one, so what were the monocolor legends? Talrand. Uh, Talrand. Okay, Talrand. Jareth, Talrand. Uh, I think that that's it. I think that's it. Um, the blue-green one doesn't have one. No. I think those are the only two. Okay. Uh, I'm checking anyway. It is bonus points, though. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Well, I couldn't do get extra credit on there. No, but you you did get full marks and ten points to the house of your choice. Oh yeah, Hufflepuff. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, Badgers. All right. So I am starting to. Uh, my my I might have lose my voice by the end of the day. How am I going to do my beat for you now? So let's go ahead and go into the other ninety nine. We will be right back. Uh, oh man, all these direct Nintendo Direct announcements. Really? Cloud and Super Smash Brothers. What a time to be alive. What is that? Cloud's in Super Smash Brothers now. Oh, Cloud is. Oh, okay, that's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. That seems sweet. Like I was never a really big Final Fantasy fan, but I know who Cloud is, so yeah. that counts, right? I played the game. That seems fine. <laughs> I played both games. That seems fine. I played Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. <laughs> So now we're going to look at the other cards that got printed in these commander decks. And the first thing I want to go ahead and hit on is the new mechanic that we got, which is actually putting a name to a card that a certain someone wrote about in an article a month or so ago. So remember those uh, those Warcat things from Future Sight? 
they would attack and then they make copies and stuff like that. Well, what if we took that ability and we stuck it on some cards? Like just stuck it on there. That's what how that's how we got Myriad. So Aaron, what does Myriad do? Whenever this creature attacks, for each opponent other than defending player, you may put a token that's a copy of this creature onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking that player or a planeswalker he or she controls. Exile the tokens at end of combat. So that is a very good mechanic. <laughs> oh man, where to begin with this mechanic? Well, like... <laughs> let's let's, be, let's begin with the equipment that they have this on. Or let, let's begin with not the equipment. But yeah. the equipment is what breaks let's, the mechanic in half. I know, that's why we're going to talk about the other stuff first. But the other we stuff... We talk about the other stuff first. All right. It makes more sense. Well, I will say <laughs> that Herald of the Host, which is a 4-4 flying vigilance angel for 3 white-white, even though she is literally just Sarah Angel with this on, that's still decent. Like, for sure this is going into my Kalia peasant deck, because it's an <laughs> uncommon angel. But you already have a 4-4 Flying Vigilance that's going to attack whatever, whoever can't block it. Yeah. And then she shoots out up copies at everyone else to just get some extra value in there. What's weird about that one is the Vigilance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a Nambo. The, 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 the copies still have to be tapped. But they, they can't be on blocking duty anyway, so... It's or, weird to there, me. there are ways, but yeah. they generally will not be on blocking duty. Um, let's see. What's another one of these? Um, uh, snake. We've got yeah. There, there's a snake. Let's see if I can find it on here. I like. Or that wait, one. why, uh, why, why don't I go to the mythic spoiler? Yeah, why that, aren't you on mythic spoiler? That seems like it's a much better idea. For goldfish. Uh, cycles. I'm still, still goldfish. Um, the the blue one is a uh, three three snake for it. four and a blue with myriad. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. <laughs> So, wait, no one has blockers? I'm going to attack and draw three? Yeah? Yeah, that that seems yeah. fair, right? That yeah. seems decent. Actually, I mean, here's here's one of the cool things about Myriad. So, I like this Commander 2014 was all about saying, oh, look how cool Planeswalkers are. And this, this set is all like, look at how bad we're going to beat you up for playing your Planeswalkers. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I, I, think it, I, I love it. I love it to death. And um, I think one of the things about Myriad that's really cool is that you can also sort of politic with these tokens because, yeah. you know, some of them are reasonable size to where, you know, you might lose a creature to your, to a silly-ass token um, if you're not careful. Uh, I, I wish I, one of them made something block it. That would be so nice. <laughs> That'd be um, so funny. <laughs> First Strike, Death Touch, Myriad. It, it would... <laughs> Basically, we should reprint Nakatl War Pride, give it Myriad, and give Hell it... Oh yeah, I'm all for that. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's just run down the rest of these. Um, the black one is a 4-4 spirit for 3 black black. When it hits a player, that player discards a card. Um, War Banshee Chief of Giant. the Dread Choir. Yeah, Banshee of the Dread Choir. Um, it's, it's a choir because there are multiples of them. And the screaming will make you discard cards. Yeah. Uh, The red one. Well, hold on real quick. The comment that I have about this one is that it was the, there was a comment made on Twitter that like, you know, this isn't as good as the Viper that draws you cards. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I think that 
there, I, I don't know. I, I think this card is cool. I, I don't think it's as worse than drawing cards, but you know, it was like, no thanks. This isn't as good. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Weird. Um, the, the red one, War Chief Giant, for three red red, you get a giant warrior that is a 5-3 with myriad and haste. Yeah. But... Literally no other abilities. You just pay five mana. And you attack everyone with a 5-3 that turn and next turn. That's right. You get a 5-3 <laughs> creature, and he throws out three lava. He throws out um lava axes to everybody. He's not attacking. Yep. I like it a lot. I, I think that it kills people in Heartless, so I'm I'm cool with it. <laughs> yep. And lastly, we get Collar of the Pack. For five green-green, we get an 8-6 beast with Myriad and Trample. That is not a small thing. That thing is going to hurt people, and that thing is going to kill people. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to the dumb deck that attacks people with Collar of the Pack and has like a doubling season and a parallel lives out. So we're gonna oh attack yeah. we're gonna attack one person with an eight six and we're gonna attack everyone else with like four of them. Now is it no, bad just because we can. Let's see, if I still had Josiah put together I would have her out, and both of these myriad guys, they would attack, she'd populate one of the tokens, and then next turn, there would just be more of them. This is why I want to build a Peasant Tristani deck now. Like, I've wanted to do this for a while, just because it would be really cheap to foil out, but then we get to populate eight sixes with Trample that make clones of itself? Yes, please. So, question about, question about, with populate with this, is it going to have the same exile clause? No. Because the exile no, clause the exile is part clause of the ability the that, effect. The ability oh that creates the tokens. It doesn't okay. give the token, like, exile this creature at the end of combat. Okay, just double checking. So so you're going to play this thing, attack with it. You'll get two tokens that are going to die definitely this turn, but then you have two more that stick around to have the ability to myriad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You don't even have to be playing just on There are and, just and, light cards that do it. Yeah. And the thing is, like with this particular with this particular beast, the main thing I'm thinking about is what's going to happen once we have what is it a uh, bow of light Nylia that gives your creatures death touch? Now your eight six <laughs> only has to do one point of damage to the creature that blocked it, and you're still taking seven. To the face. We are doing more than just lava axing you. We are destroying you. Okay, but, oh, but guys, what about that sword? Here I was excited over a lava axe. That damn sword. That thing is going to be kill on sight for the rest of eternity. But what does it do? Oh man, it's the two blade colors. of it's artifact equipment. <laughs> That's an amazing name. It's a two colors artifact. It's an equipment for four, and it has equipped a creature has myriad blade of selves because you know it's a blade used to makes copy of yourselves. That do you think the blade of selves makes copy of itself when it makes a copy of your creature? Someone needs to make a deck. Where all the, all you want to do is you want to animate a blade of selves and attach a blade of selves to your blade of selves to attack and get more blades of selves. That sounds like the best deck I've ever heard. Actually, yeah. it, is com- it is a three card combo in EDH. You have blade of selves, you have a copy equipment, and you have march of the machines. Or no, no, you don't. You have Karn's touch. There you go. Yeah. How? Yeah. Or just Sidri. Or Sidri. Right. That also works. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, Grey Merchant, Coca Show, those were the first things that came to people's minds. 
As long as you have a sack outlet for co- Oh, right. Legendary rule. There's your sack outlet. Never mind. Ignore me. Eternal oh Witness, gosh. Solemn Simulacrum, all yeah, of the Titans. ETB here. And, any of the Titans? Yeah. Insert ETB here. Just. Hold on, wait a second. So, with the, so the tokens I put into play are already attacking, right? Yes. Yes. So they would miss yeah. any of their attack triggers, but they would yes. still get their into the battlefield triggers. Yep. So. Yes. Consider yourself lucky that, like, Blade itself doesn't, like, the myriad's written that way. Because if it didn't, then just imagine, Sun Titan enters the battlefield and then has, and then its token has to attack also. But then you got your token Sun Titan gets two triggers. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna get this and attack and I'm gonna get this and I'll blow up at the end of the turn. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that whoever wrote this, um, text at least thought about writing it in a way where it's like, you know, it doesn't happen to break open like every, fucking card that has an attack trigger. <laughs> Alright. It, it's still... You put this on your... What is it? You put this on your um, hero of um, Bladehold? My... My apprehension with this herself. is just like... Dead Eye Navigator was already bad enough. So... <laughs> your dog heard you like tokens, so we made tokens that can make tokens like your tokens. Yeah. Alright, so... I need... So before I lose my voice, I need to go over this one. So, well, okay, no, that's a lie. We're going to look at one cycle before we go on to just individual cards you like. And that's the Confluence cycle. So, Clay, tell us about the Confluence cycle. Oh, man, the Confluence cycle is sweet. Um, It is a cycle, of course, um, of uh, three sorceries and two instants that cost between four and six mana. And they are modal. So they have three different things that you can choose to do with them. However, they tell you to choose three. So if you could choose three, and there are only three modes, that's one of each, right? Um, unlike any other modal spell they have ever printed, you can choose the same mode more than once. So they are probably the most versatile cards ever printed, and they are incredible. <laughs> I thought someone was going to follow up after that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, sure. I was just <laughs> go ahead, for the burger that I was chewing on to go down. <laughs> yeah, like so, basically, the most diverse spell we could have we had for like uh, cryptic com- the command cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, that's what it was because you, you, you have two choices and you had four items that you could choose from, which I believe it broke down into like what six, seven different ways you could play it. I think it was. No, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I forget what it was. I think it's six. Well, either way, whatever it was. It no longer matters because out of conflicts, uh, the uh, confluences, these things, because you can pick the same thing multiple times, I'm going to go with the first one that I saw was uh, Fiery Confluence, which is two colors, double red, and it's a sorcery. You have the option to pay four mana, and you can deal one damage to each target creature or and deal two damage to each opponent and destroy target artifact, right? Which seems perfectly fine. Like, you know, if I could make three choices and I had a card that it just basically I'd pay four mana, deal one damage to each creature, two damage to each opponent, destroy target artifact, I would say that is a lot for four mana on a red card, period. I get to take care of all the tokens, all my opponents lose a little bit of life, and I get to blow up an artifact that I didn't like. But now you're telling me I can do any of those three at any given point in time? I can pay four mana and make my opponents all lose six life or blow up three artifacts if I so chose? Or I could just go right ahead and just cast it for four and get myself, uh, what is it, Anger of the Gods? Yep. 
there's some really cool stuff you can do with these. My personal favorite is the blue one. Um, of course. I am really looking forward to picking up one of these to throw in Tassiger. Um, it costs three, a blue, and a blue. It's an instant because blue always gets instants in these cycles because they almost always have a mode that counters. <coughs> so Mystic Confluence's modes are counter target spell unless its controller pays three. So Mana Leak. Return target creature to its owner's hand, so unsummon, and draw a card. So, yeah, I am looking forward to the first time I get to cast this against a Maelstrom Wanderer player, where they cast Maelstrom Wanderer, cascade into, like, a Mana Rock, and then the second cascade hits a bomb, and I'm just like, Mana Leak, both of those, I draw a card. Or if they hit two creatures, like, Mana Leak, Wanderer, and the second one bounce the first one. Just completely negate what they just did. And just the the sheer versatility of this card is absolutely insane. Because you can counter something if they don't have any open mana and bounce a creature and draw a card, or counter and double bounce, or counter double draw, or counter bounce draw, or double bounce draw, or bounce draw draw, or just triple draw, or triple bounce, or triple leak. They're really going to have to fix Moto to make all that fit on the screen. <laughs> the one card out of this entire cycle that I'm actually the most um the the one card out of this cycle I actually want to see the most right now though is Righteous Conflict because I can't wait Conflict. to pay five mana and gain fifteen life. But you could also exile <laughs> up to three enchantments. Like okay, yeah, Righteous but I'm saying Confluence. like as far as as, as far as Righteous Confluence, right, uh, three colorless, double white sorcery. Uh, choose three. You can choose the same if you want. Uh, put a 2-2 white knight creature token onto the battlefield with Vigilance, exile target enchantment, and that's basically all it says. There's a third line there that allows you to gain life, but I pretty much consider that to be something that's probably never going to come up. Actually, it will come up in the corner case scenario. If someone's, if someone's playing, playing like, Anya and you're the only person below 20 life and you have 10 life, you cast this and you go up to 25 and you just laugh in their face. <laughs> See, I, oh. well, like you're playing, or you're playing like uh, what was it, Karloff uh, or Korloff, the, go- the yeah. creepy ghost uncle? It's three, and now you get it's three, three separate instances of gaining life, so he'll get six counters for it. Yeah. So don't get me wrong, there will be corner case scenarios where it's where the life gain on it will be of use, but the vast majority of decks, it's I could perceive using this card are going to be going like, nope, I'm going to use this, exile two enchantments, get myself a 2-2, or get myself two guys, exile that enchantment. Or exile three enchantments that I don't like. Or pay six, or pay five mana and get six powers worth of dudes with vigilance on my side of the field. Alright, but did you guys mention what the green and black ones do? The black one. Okay, Clay, do the black one. Huh? Clay, do the black one. It has one of your favorite card, uh, one of your favorite words on it. <laughs> The three most powerful words. Uh, Wretched Confluence is also an instant spell. Um, so unlike you know the command cycle, blue is not the only one getting an instant. Um, Wretched Confluence costs three and two black, so three black black. It's an instant. Choose three. You may choose the same mode more than once. Target player draws a card and loses a life. So we're drawing cards over here, uh, basically for Xena Arena for the first one, and or. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn, so we might be able to kill a thing or shrink a thing so that it dies. Or, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. 
versatility is amazing. All right. It's my turn to play the combo game. The Confluence game, I think, with this card is is basically to, to just draw three cards. Um, I, I don't see a, a, situ- a situation where I need to pay five to give something minus six, minus six, um, unless I have a really important creature in my graveyard. Not going to be doing mm-hmm. it. I think that this is Black Jace's ingenuity, essentially, um, with yeah. a little bit of life loss. Uh, and I think that that's sweet. Like, I don't think that that's bad at all. Um, but no. as far as the Confluence game, I'm not running through the scenarios. We don't need to triple minus two, minus two, or triple return, or triple, like, um, grave, uh, what is it? Grave, I forgot what it's called. Uh, grave dig. <laughs> we don't need, we just need to triple Phyrexian Arena, and that's it. Like, I think it's pretty simple. The, that is the thing about the Confluence is, yeah. spe- and most specifically the blue and the black ones, just because they're instants, is that most of the time you will be doing only one thing with them. Like with the black one, you'll probably only be drawing three cards. Uh, the blue one might counter something or bounce something and draw one or two cards. Well, what about the green one? But we, we're, we're about to get to that. Um, the green one's the a sorcery. The green one is also really good. Um, but just options. Options are great. Yeah. Options are and insane. And with the black one being instant. And with the black one being an instant and also saying target player draws a, draws a card and yeah. loses a life. It could kill someone. If your opponent it. happens to be a low low, low point, life point, you can just kill somebody with it. Yep. Or you could pro- <laughs> potentially just make them deck themselves if they're down to, like, their last three and you're playing some type of weird, like, mill strategy. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, the green one, Verdant Confluence. Four colors, double green, sorcery. You know that part about the choose three. We already done it four times. I'm not doing it again. So your three options are, A, put two plus one plus one counters on target creature, B, return target permanent from your graveyard to your hand, or C, search your library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Now, as far yeah. as I see this, six <laughs> mana, give a creature plus six plus six. Okay, I could expect that, I guess. Six mana <laughs> and get uh, three copies of Eternal Witness. Okay, Permanent sure, cards. I can work with that. You know. Permanence. I mean, it's more like... Six re- mana get three ramping growths. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, there we go. Six mana yeah. get three ramping growths. It's cute. So even at its weakest, with just like the three ramping growths, ramping growth costs you two mana anyway. So you basically got ramping growth. But in the same yeah. token, if you had six mana to cast this damn thing, I don't think you would actually need it for that, unless you're just going for fixing. Like, say you're playing, like, or a five-color deck or landfall. Yeah, like, I was going to say, like, if you go for fixing or, like, landfall or something specific about that, or, like, you know, you're in three colors, you happen to need that extra, like, double red or whatever for whatever you're doing. Yeah, go right ahead, go get it. With this one, I believe that the middle ability with the return permanence from your hand to your graveyard, or from your graveyard to your hand, is going to end up being, like, the main mode that's going to get used with the plus-one counters being used depending on what's on the board. Like, say, for instance, you're playing green-white and you cast Elspeth, and you use her ability to give yourself three 1-1 tokens, and then next turn you follow it up with this, and now those three 1-1s are three three threes. So I can easily see that being something that you would... And then you equip one of them with the uh, Blade of Selves, and you just start swinging <laughs> for defenses. I don't know. I'm going to enjoy copying triple rampant growth with Warth the Raid Mother. Like, I feel like that's... It's going to be deck dependent <laughs> with the green, like yeah. you know. This, this, I was about to, I was just about to get into that, but yeah, like imagine I, these I cards that, with um, what's that blue enchantment that gives cards rebound? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 see into the Infinite or something like that? See, yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Or see, see, see into the Beyond? I, I think it is. There's a blue Forgetting. There's a blue enchantment that gives your spells rebound. So basically yeah. you cast these things for five, do one mode or whichever combination you feel. It, it exiles itself. And at the beginning of your next turn, you get a free copy that does the same damn thing if you choose so. Alright. Yep. <clears throat> so then, we've gone through the two cycles of cards. Let's go ahead and I'll say, everyone, you may have two. Two singles out of all these cards to talk about. Let's see. Did it have to be new, the new cards or do they have to be reprints? Just making sure that I have a understanding. You may highlight a reprint after the two. So you get two, so two okay. new cards and then one reprint that you're excited about. Alright, so the first one that I'm really excited about is Scourge of Neltoth. So it's a seven mana, five black black, six six zombie dragon. It's a zombie Ooh. dragon. That's zombie nice. dragons. It's a dragon that's also a zombie. You may cast Scourge of Neltoth from your graveyard by paying black black and sacking two creatures rather than paying its mana cost. And this is actually just the kind of thing that Gissa needed. You know, after the big mythic and rare purging of my decks, to kind of diversify things a little bit and to stop relying on rares and mythics as, you know, staples and crutches for the decks, Gissa kind of needed something really big and stupid and pow- powerful to, to play in her deck to reanimate. So <laughs> yep, and Scourge and Neltoth is one of those things that helps me loop. So, okay, I can play my dragon... And then Gissa's gonna sack and make six zombies, and then when I wanna get my dragon back, I can sack two of those, get them back, sack, sack them again to make six more zombies. So Scourge loops with Gissa in a very beautiful way, and he's also a zombie, so it works. I'm actually considering putting it into my Sadissi deck just to have a sack outlet in the graveyard. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a good idea. It's really cool. Alright, so who's next? Um, I guess I'll go next, yeah, keeping on the zombie list. theme. If you, um, if you don't hear from me, it's because I'm dying. Ah. Uh, Corpse Augur is a 4-2 zombie wizard for 3 and a black. When he dies, you draw X cards and lose X life, where X is the number of creature cards in target player's graveyard. The fact that it's not just your graveyard, it's target player. So you basically get to choose... How many? Like, if I sacrifice it in my Sadissi deck, I'm probably going to be drawing 15 cards and losing 15 life, and that will probably win me the game. But if I'm at low enough life and my opponent only has, like, five, I can just go down to that. Question about this card. Yes. Do you do you play it in a deck where you would just make it a good metagame choice, or do you have to play it in a deck where you feel like you also can have the potential for value? Which it's- Which kind of deck do you prefer? It depends on your metagame, I guess. Like, if you have a bunch of graveyard-dependent decks, mm-hmm. like a couple reanimator decks or things that like to sacrifice creatures, I would say it's completely fine as long as you have a way to kill it when you want to. Do you like, think it's... Like, yeah, I, I'm just trying to figure this card out. Like, that was one of the <laughs> weird ones. I like it, but it's just weird, you know? I personally would probably only play it in a deck that can abuse it by itself. So Sadissi self-mills and puts a bunch of creatures in the graveyard. I would put it in a corridor deck, just as repeated card draw. Um, Filthy. Yeah. And the fact that you can pick and choose which player... The the only problem with having it be target player is if someone has a Tormod script active, they could just have you draw zero cards when the trigger goes on the stack after they know who you're targeting. 
But it's just fine. Like this this card is basically a one shot Graveborn Muse that's less likely to kill you. Yeah. I like one shot grave more Graveborn Muses that are less likely to kill me. <laughs> I like anything uh, that's less likely to kill me. Fair. That's a, that's a good that's a good creed. Um, Aaron. Yep. Okay. Calumny's Captain is is my first card. It's three white white. It's a five five giant soldier with vigilance. It comes in the Boros deck and it has a five white white monstrosity three ability. Um, when Calumny's Captain becomes monstrous, you exile our artifacts and enchantments. I heart removal. I love destroying everybody's non-creature nonsense uh, because this is the way that people get value on the sneaky the sneaky sly. So um, I think that this is a really good way to do that and, and, and to stop them from getting that. And I like that they kept it monocolored versus making it mo- like a Boros thing or something like that. The fact that it just stomps out gods is really funny. Like, flavor-wise, yeah, like, Kalemni yeah, has someone in her ranks that is strong enough to just... Be better than her? <laughs> Almost, so, she, so yeah, you, that's weird. So, when you monster Sir and gods are out, you just use, you just whack the god card over and over again, saying puny god? <laughs> yep. Yep. See, actually, when you think about it, that is kind of messed up, because if you're, uh, if Kalimli is... The disciple of Iros, and you have Iros out, and he decides, and then Kalimli's captain, who is supposed to be under Kalimli, who is under Iros, yeah, yeah. So it's like, (laughs) so you have somebody in your lower rank strong enough to completely get rid of you. Like she is not a uh, Kalimli's captain is not a believer. Kalimli's captain does not care what the gods think. (laughs) Kalimli's captain doesn't even believe there is such a thing as gods. Kalemni's captain is rogue. She's or he or she has clearly gone rogue. That's the only thing that explains this. But it's really weird yeah, considering that she's white or he's I mean, the only captain. And maybe, white. <laughs> maybe maybe she's the Hulk. When she goes monstrous, she doesn't know what she's destroying. Oh, dude, it's and but the best occasion she's white. She should. She just goes green Hulk white. smash. And it's a yeah. soldier, so you can actually just cheat it out with that Kithkin. Yep. <laughs> Preeminent <laughs> captain. <laughs> so you're preeminent captain, the world's biggest soldier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, buddy, just come here. <laughs> you weren't uh, hiding or anything. <laughs> your opponent just sees this little hobbit thing running at them, charging. He's like, oh, okay. and then suddenly from nowhere, there's a giant behind him. And then suddenly from nowhere, giant ass fist. <laughs> All right, so Calvin, darn break reclaimer. It's four colors, double white. It's an angel. It's a 5-5, five, five, and it has flying, because angels have wings. At the beginning of your instep, <laughs> at the beginning of your instep, choose a creature card in an opponent's graveyard. Then that player chooses a creature card in your graveyard. You may return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. Now, this seems like a really interesting card to me, because it, uh, it's a mono-white card that allows you to play politically. I can easily come up with the decision of saying, well, look, I want my, I want X back. I want this card back. So I'm going to be willing to make a trade. Who here has a creature that they would be willing, that I would be willing to allow them to take back? Hey, Clay, what's that you have in your graveyard there? A nice serpent? 
Okay, I have no problem with you getting that serpent back to your side of the field, as long as you have no problem with me getting back my Kalimli's captain. Because <laughs> you just want to get that shit. Yeah, and as long as Clay's willing to play ball, we both get what we want. I get to exile a bunch of enchantments eventually, and someone else gets pissed. Clay gets his giant serpent, which will probably end up killing me. But still, at least I got what I wanted out of the game. <laughs> and if in choosing Clay, he decides, no, he doesn't want that. He wants doesn't want the serpent. He wants to go and get his titan. And I'm like, no, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't agree to that. I don't have to let this resolve. I could just go right ahead and say, well, you know what? Never mind. I take, I take back. I choose not to let them return. And then at the next end step that I have, just you pick get somebody to choose else. what I get back. And I get to choose what you get back. You got chocolate yeah, in my saying, like if, Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if, well, that's, uh, I mispronounced. What I meant to say was, like, I choose. He chooses to go off air. So, Apparently. so yeah, Don Break Reclaimer is essentially kind of like a white fact of fiction. Not yeah. in the sense that you're going to get whatever it is you wanted to, for sure, but in the sense that you get to play very politically. Okay, so <laughs> the animator isn't for kids. Hey, Calvin. Hey, so where did I die at? Uh, you died at Dawn Break Climber is awesome. We should all be playing her. Yeah. All right. There, there's no reason not to play that card. It's all upside, honestly. So going on to the next, uh, everyone got the first one done? Yeah. 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 Awesome, and that means I can go into Azuri's Predation. So, so for five, green, in, green, green. In flavor, green removal. Mechanically, green removal. Sorcery. Azuri's, for each creature your opponent's control, put a 4-4 green beast creature token onto the battlefield. Each of those beasts fights a different one of those creatures. It's a green board wipe that works with how green wants to deal with creatures. This card makes me so happy! <laughs> Like, I just want to see someone have their creatures have Death Touch and Life Link when they cast this spell. Yeah, nice. that. that <laughs> I mean, yes, four four beasts aren't going to be big enough to take down like Titans or Omnath tokens, which is kind of a bummer. But at the same time, you can go okay. They would be if they have Death Touch. Yeah, you can <laughs> swing at someone post combat play to clean up the mess and get rid of a bunch of stuff, and they just. They just devour anything that's smaller. Like, this is very much how green wants to interact with other creatures. And it does so, right. so beautifully. It, it actually makes me cry a little bit. So, so what you're saying is... Predation copied with Ward the Raid Mother kills everything? Yes! Basically. So what we're saying is, is that first you take the Nakata War Pride and you attack with it, forcing all the Nakata War Pride tokens to show up and fight everything. And then anything that doesn't die from the Nakata War Pride, you cast during your second main phase the predict um Azuri's predation, killing off everything else. Yes. Yes. Why not? And if you have your doubling season out, then you know you get all those extra tokens that just kinda of sit around waiting in the wings. <laughs> okay, you- now I can't unsee how in the art it looks like Azuri was photoshopped into this. Yes. Yeah. Or like how he's standing in front of a big green screen. Like I can't unsee it. Yeah, you can't. It's it's real weird. The, the question on that card is kind of terrible. The question I have about this is like how like so now that Azuri has the grafted exoskeleton on him, he just hangs out with beasts now. Is that like a thing? I think it's more uh, like yeah. he's sticking those beasts on other things. 
So he only has beast friends? Like, I mean, because re- no previously, right? Friends. Like, like he used to overrun with his elf buddies. Now he just he eats you up with his beast friends? Like, is that what, is that what we're, we're trying to get at? I think it's more like he just has this one specific platoon of beasts. Like, even elves ha- have hunting parties, right? Like, they have, like, those dogs and all that. At least yeah, this isn't really a hunting party, though. This is more like a hunting, a uh, 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 hunting militia. This isn't okay. really like something no. that I would consider to be like a regular group of like pack dogs. So, continuing question, line of questioning: How does this make it Azuri's predation? Like, what is Azuri doing that's creating this predation? He uh, is commanding the beasts, I guess. So, because they photoshopped him in there. <laughs> Okay, so it's, it's almost like they decided to make the Missouri themed card after getting the artwork in, and then they changed the name and photoshopped them into the artwork. So, so what we're what we're finding out is that the non flavor flavor of this card is really great. <laughs> Don't care. Uh, see, it's mechanically you see, sound. You see what happened, Aaron? You see what happened was is that originally that was Garrick on the front, uh, uh, Garuk on the front of that card. It, it actually, I would be surprised. Yeah. And it was going to be Garouk, but then someone was like, we don't have Garouk in this, and the legendary Planeswalker commander thing, that was last year, we're not doing that this year. And someone was like, okay, then what the hell are we going to do with this Garouk's card? It was like, you know what, I got an idea. Hey, someone um, get Azorius in here. He's like, Azorius walks in, tells him lift his arm up. It's like, yeah, right about there, because that's right where Garouk is. And, 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 and been like this, yeah, that's where the act was going to go. Okay, good, good, stand there, stand there. Followed it, click, and then they just cut him in and just pasted him over where Garuk is. <laughs> I can't wait so for our listeners to like either Photoshop their own version of Azuri's Predation and just rename <laughs> it, or Sharpie alter their own style of of character into this and be, make it a different person's Predation. I think that that's the best. I, I, I could easily, I could easily see someone altering this, just getting like like the pin out and just turning it into Garuk. Yeah. You put bad wax in one hand. Iron Man's predation. (laughs) Stark, get on it. Azuri's predation. Iron Man calls in the Iron Legion. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's go on to our next card. Clay, what's your next card? Um, My next one is something that piqued my interest, um, just because I have a Borborygmos and Rage deck that I don't really play that often, but this card might actually just be a new finisher for it. Uh, Centaur Vinecrasher. Uh, costs three and a green. It's a one-one plant centaur with trample, and it enters the battlefield with a number of plus one plus one counters on it equal to the number of land cards in all graveyards. Whenever a land is put into a graveyard from anywhere, you may pay green green. If you do, return centaur vine crasher from your from the graveyard to your hand. So basically, in a Borborygmos or a Titania deck, you play this thing. It's probably at least an eight-eight with trample for four mana. Um, that if it dies, you'll just be able to get it back and cast it again. No questions asked. If your deck is doing what it's supposed to be doing, you will never be without this card. Huh? Yeah. It's going to be great in Titania, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's a cool one. It had me at Plant Centaur. Like, that's that's where I'm at. So, in other words, it's a centaur plant. But what do you do when it's just kind of skewed off the table and it's no longer center? I don't know. Is it left a centaur plant? I told that with the Stark, and he threw something at me. <laughs> Hashtag <Okay>. dad jokes. <laughs> no, no, no. That was a few episodes ago. <laughs> Hashtag dad jokes. All right. What do you What do you got for us, Aaron? 
Um, Illusory Ambusher is the card that I like, and I really like it just because it's weird and it has flash. It's a uh, cat illusion, which is also pretty sweet. Um, it's four and a blue, and it's a four one with, like I said, the aforementioned flash. And uh, whenever Illusory Ambusher is dealt damage, draw that many cards. So we have kind of a reverse blue card, I think. Our first reverse blue card. Um, number one, it's an illusion, and it doesn't have the weird illusion ability, which is pretty cool. Um, they've, they've been changing that, I think, recently. I'm going to make sure that illusion isn't just a completely weak, nerfed type. Um, but I really I really like the idea of being able to use this as a way to, to um, block damage, uh, specifically the, of the non-trampling kind, because obviously that would be pretty terrible. Um, and uh, just be able to go ahead and, you know, ambush them with my cat. My big old cat. <laughs> this thing is really cute. Flash cat. Flash <laughs> cat. Like... Flash cat 2.0. NAS supports Microsoft Word. Oh. Five mana. Five mana. Kill your dude. Draw five cards. Like, why not? Why wouldn't you play this card? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool. And uh, I I violence is the food it craves. Feed it if you dare. Doriel, <laughs> mentor of Mistral Isle. So you got the whole card text there. Steve then... Argyle art. Very sweet. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and, and each pick one reprint from our own decks that we are excited about. Okay. So, Clay, what's a reprint from the blue-red deck that you are pretty excited to see? Oh, from the blue-red deck. Um, let's see. Okay, oh, I'm back. Um, okay. So, well, Cal- 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 switching. Cal- okay. okay. So, Clay, um, look at that. Calvin, what's your second card? Uh, my second card for tonight will end up being the Rite of Raging Storm. It is three colors, double red, and it's an enchantment. Creature's name, Lightning Rager, cannot attack you or planeswalkers you control. Which seems kind of weird, because where are we going to get creatures named Lightning Razor, um, Rager? Well, that's simple, because on this enchantment, there's another piece of text that says, at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player gets a 5-1 red elemental creature token named Lightning Rager onto the battlefield. It has trample. Paste, and at the beginning of the end step, they have to sacrifice this creature. Now, I love this card because it gives me a 5-1, but it also gives my opponents 5-1s that they can choose to attack with or not. And quite frankly, if you play, I don't show of hands, if you got a free 5-1 creature every turn, would you use it? Yep. Uh, yeah. Sure. What about you, Aaron? Now, granted, sure. now none of these gentlemen are going to be attacking me with them because I have the enchantment that prevents those that creature from attacking me. Unless, of course, they get their creature and then they decide to, like, you know, naturalize the enchantment before the end of the turn and then smack me with my 5-1 that I gave them. But then they would lose it and, you know, it's fine. They would deal fine damage to me. But on the outskirt of that small, small little instant, this enchantment could just sit on the board and help do the one thing that I enjoy the most. That's bringing everybody's life total low, except for mine. So, Clay, what's um, a reprint? That you um, I think one of the funniest reprints in the blue-red deck, because there aren't really too many high-profile ones in this one, except maybe Dragon Mage. Um, but the funniest one that goes in theme with the X spells for Mizzix is Dominate, which costs X, one, blue, blue. It's an instant. Gain control of target creature with converted mana cost X or less. So after you have a couple experience counters, you just pay a couple mana and you take a thing. Wow. Oh, right, right, right. Um, Along that same vein, Blatant Thievery is in this deck. 
Um, four blue, blue, blue for each opponent gain control of one tar- gain control of target permanent that player controls. Just, you know, I have four experience counters. I'm going to pay three blue. Uh, take that, take that, take that. Cool. I have to say, did not see either of these getting reprinted. <laughs> yep, me neither. Me neither. I was going to put Dominate into my deck anyway, and that's one less card I have to buy. Dominate is such a scary name for a card. <laughs> like, to me, <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to dominate your thing. It just sounds, I don't know. It's funny. All right, then. So, Aaron, what's a reprint that you're excited about? Well, there's a lot of reprints that I think are really funny and, like, Herp Derp in my deck. Like, by the way, do you guys know that I, um, that the blue-green deck got a Zoetic Cavern just cause? (laughs) Yes. Dude, it triggers Azuri. (laughs) I get it. Just cause. It's just cause. I think it's funny. Um, High Market's pretty, a pretty sweet one, but, I mean, the only card that ever matters to me is Solemn Simulacrum, and the fact that Solemn Simulacrum got reprinted in this deck is awesome for me. Um, Solemn Simulacrum is what you guys know it to do. Oh, yeah. Um, Be Lightning awesome. Reeves is also in several of the decks. Yep. So people know. Solemn Simulacrum, value. Play it. Love it. So much sad bot. Yeah. At least in one of the decks. <laughs> All yeah. right. Calvin, did you have a reprint that you were excited about from the Boros deck? Uh, Currently, no. Because, as Versus I said before, I don't have access. Oh, okay, thanks, Clay, for giving me a reprint <laughs> that I completely didn't even realize. Because I don't see the whole deck. I only had the cards up from the um, Mythic Spoilers. And they don't show the whole deck. They only show, like, the newer ones. So, yeah, Versus Incubator, that's a good, that's a sweet reprint, right? Well, what was it? Creatures have a um, cost two less to cast. Um, it's a a type. Choose a type. And type. creature spells of that type you cast cost two less. Right. Fumiko the Low Blood. That was another one that was in the red white deck. There it is. Hold Dang. on a second. I could have sworn that um, Ursus Incubator worked for everybody. Mm, yeah. Creature yep. spells of the chosen type cost two less to cast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So you name giant, and you're good to go. Because you know, unless somebody else has giants and. In the average deck, there's probably only one type of giant that they might have, and those are titans. So you may be giving your opponent maybe two creatures that can cost two less, which might suck in the future, but if you're playing mostly giants, you're good. Or if you happen to be playing allies, you should be all right, because you shouldn't have to worry about anybody in your meta playing that but you. Just stay away from, like, the more well-diverse creature types, like goblins, elves, zombies, slivers, all that. Rhino. If you can find, yeah, yeah, you, you, you find a neat deck, like Snake. You go with the Snake deck. Yeah, someone may have like a Cobra or two here and there, but they're not going to be like all over the place. All and right. if somebody plays that, it's probably not going to be that bad. And of course, my exciting reprint is Black Market. Three Black Black for enchantment. That's racist. Originally from Arcadian Mask and was not reprinted anywhere before now. Whenever yeah. a creature dies, put a charge counter on Black Market. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, add black to your mana pool for each charge counter on Black Market. It is just... That's racist. Stupid good. Creatures die all the time, especially in board white heavy metas, like how mine's been shifting lately. So, getting an investment back on your on just creatures dying... Like, not even your creatures, any creature dies. You get a charge counter on it. Now it starts that mana producing. burn isn't a thing? Yeah, now that mana burn isn't a thing, getting the mana is not optional, it says in the 2004 Oracle ruling text. This was a card that was like $12, and now with this reprint, it's going to shoot, the reprint one's going to be like 
three to six. Yeah. So this uh, card there was twelve dollars, and has been reprinted. It's going to shoot all the way up to twelve dollars. Other notable reprints out of these sets are Lightning Greaves, Sol Ring, uh, Sol Ring, um, Dragon Mage. Which is yeah, Command Towers in there, right? Yeah, yeah, Command Towers are in here too. There's some cool reprints. There's a lot of value in these boxes. The high market is in the blue green ones. Yeah. Victimize, putrefy. Um, Hold on a second. Here's a Eldrazi question. monument. Eldrazi what is monument. It? What's the um, what's the other land that came out? Opal Palace. Yep. That was the other commander one, right? Is that yep. in here? Nope. Should dude. Should Mystic be. Confluence Man, is up really... on Goldfish for ten bucks. They missed that one on the Azuri deck, man. Which one? The the Opal, Opal Palace. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish they they had printed Opal Palace in these two, but I guess what are you gonna do? Like it's like that, actually that actually brings up a question. But what about the uh, command sphere? Is that here? No, no, no. command sphere. Hmm. But we did so get why is, command beacon. Yeah, but so one. why is command tower the only like commander based card that keeps getting reprinted in these things? Because it's because it's busted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, but still, it's like it's one of those like. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's good. I'm not saying that. But just yeah. saying, it just seems like one of those, like, you printing these other commander-specific cards, but they're only coming out in those five decks from that particular year. Yeah. It just seems like, you know, you would make room to at least bump them up to, like, I don't know, like, Uncommon or something, so they only show up in, like, one or two of the other decks. It goes, I, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, I think. Like, there's a consistency issue where they get kind of this ADD almost, where they're like, you know, they have to try, they feel like they have to try to contain all the theme and all the stuff into one thing, but there's so much magic stuff to be played and test that they should be adding some of these things. I, I completely agree with you. We did get a thought puzzle though. A two yes. mana, a two mana rock that says you have no maximum hand size. Like yep. two mana rocks. That's actually just perfect for most decks. Yep. Yeah. All it's right. I think the only card that grandpa growth liked, by the way, I'm pretty sure. And that Damn. always disappoints me whenever I hear someone says they're only excited for like one card. Yeah, but what are you going to do? All right, and that is the end of our 2015 preview show. Uh, I'm losing my voice, so let's go ahead and take this to the outro. Okay. Hey, William lost his voice. William's down. The voice is gone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Commander Cast Previews. Uh, I can do this. I can power do this. All right. I have faith in you. So, this has been Commander Cast, episode 225. I want to go ahead and thank everyone who showed up today. Clay, Galvin, thank you for being here. Yeah. And as per usual, yeah. Aaron, thanks for coming on today. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. It's been it was good to get get the old gang moving along. I was bummed Mark had to bail at the last minute. Yeah, I think we all were. But yep. give it a couple of weeks, and we'll be all back together. Hopefully, yeah, for with, sure. Hopefully, with a better understanding of what we're doing. Right. So, contact information. Now is the part of the show where we like to hand that out. So, Aaron, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Still on Twitter, at Uncle Landrops. Hit me up there. Ask me questions. I like to talk to people on Twitter. Um, email, also Uncle Landrops, all one word, three words that are one word, at gmail.com. 
down below in the show notes if you don't know how to spell those words. Clay, if people want to get Jay you, words. how can they do that? Uh, people can find me on the internet, on the Twitter, and the Gmail, and occasionally on the Reddit as EDH Panda. Um, it's down there in the show notes, and also my girlfriend Mallory and I occasionally stream on Twitch as Panda Alpaca. It's down there in the show notes. It's Panda Plus Alpaca, except they share an A. And you can follow us on Twitter, and you'll get updates when we go live. All right, Calvin, if people want to reach you, how can they do that? Yeah, if people want to reach out and contact me, it's easy to do. All you have to do is go over to Twitter, hit me up at Captain Redzone, or you can hit me up with an email in Gmail at CaptainRedzone at gmail.com. Or you can go over to the Commander Cast Facebook page, <laughs> me, the Waffle Cone, the Slowly Dying and Voiceless William are usually over there. I'm pretty sure he's already filled up the form needed to apply for the Ghost Council of Orzal. They're just waiting for him to kick the bucket, just like most of our listening audience. <laughs> That's, that's harsh, man. <laughs> that was harsh. <laughs> so, if you want to get in touch with... Yeah, but hey, at least you come back in ghost form, and, you know, they'll make you work off the remainder of that, and then you become eternal. Then you become the eternal Commander Cast host, and there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> that's actually what I sold my soul for. So, if you want to get in touch with me, maybe leave me some final words before I kick the bucket... Email me, um, wiehernandez at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at BlueRam1409, where I tweet all of my various musings and maybe some live tweeting on whatever anime show I'm watching. I actually started watching Love Live, so I can try and pick a best girl from that. Best neither here nor, nor there. If you want to get in contact with us here at CommanderCast.com, you can follow us over at CommanderCast on Twitter, or you can hit us up by CommanderCast at gmail.com. Or, you can go on to CommanderCast.com, go down to the bottom of the show, hit us up with a show note, or you can go to our Reddit page. Commander has... Commander ass. <laughs> CommanderCast has a Reddit page that you can go to. And also, you know what? Sing us out. We're at the end of the show. It's about that time where we ask you to give us a tip. Just a tip. Join our Patreon. One dollar a month. That's all William asks for. That's all anyone can ever really ask for is just a tip. And, you know, if a little extra happens to slip in, then, you know, there's nothing we can really say about it. <laughs> well, we just found our new slogan. <laughs> so, let's yes. get tip. Just just the tip, please. <laughs> just, okay. just a tip. Let's get tip. Then thank you to everyone who contributes to our website. You're all fantastic people. And I really hope that I can get these funds going so I can do wonderful things for you guys, too. Music for our show is the X-Meets Heaven Metal Series by 331 E-Rock. We will see you next week with more community, strategy, technology, and less loss of voice. Until then, let's get it!
Okay. And as a, and if you're listening to this in the outro dangly pits, then I will let you in on a little secret. We will not actually, actually, <clears throat> uh, we will not be in this actual next week because we will be still playtesting. In fact, I'm going to try and set it up so that me and a couple of the guys can get a moto together to play with the decks and hopefully I can get the Skype recorder working with the actual recording software. Get some Skype voices, and maybe we can make a video of it and put that on the Patreon. Although, let's see. Oh, and Calvin, I need to record this part for the clone cast real quick. Okay. Hey, before I, you, I have, before you, oh, go ahead. I have one more YMTG Cardsmith card to share with you guys before I duck out for the evening. Okay, right. yeah, I gotta get going to play Magic, so let okay. me know what's um, going yeah. it, it costs six colorless. It's called Eldrazi Influence. It's an yeah. enchantment. Um, it has this really sweet artwork of, like, Emrakul invading Ravnica. And it says, all cards everywhere are colorless. And yes, I mean everywhere. <laughs> Flavor text. As Emrakul and the Hedrons loomed atop New Prov, Jace looked upon the scene. Before planeswalking, he uttered two final words. Fuck this. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, and the commentary to go with it. The cards in your hand, they're colorless. Your library, they're colorless too. Graveyard, the stack, exile, all colorless. The other decks in your bag, colorless. The Yu-Gi-Oh cards being played across the store, colorless. The Hearthstone deck on your iPad, colorless. Three of hearts, colorless. The Mother's Day card you just bought for your mom, well, let's hope its art wasn't particularly vibrant. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyways. Alrighty, guys. I'm gonna get going to play Magic. Right. I will. Yeah. I will see you guys, and I will be following up pretty soon because I've got. Hope, I'm gonna be talking to my brother pretty shortly here. He's got the the site built. Now I just got to figure out what he what he needs next. So let's see. Next week we're taking the week off, and the next week is Thanksgiving. So are yeah. we taking two weeks off? Oh, that's right. Um, I will come. Actually, the answer to that is yes. So I'll see you guys in December. All right, cool. What's gonna happen is next week we'll be doing the uh, what was it the 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 fucking uh, uh, evil twin cast that'll be going up explaining the the commander thing. The week after that is Thanksgiving, and nobody's gonna show up to record on a Thursday night for Thanksgiving. Yep, I. You know what, Calvin? Let's just go ahead and put up a signpost saying we're taking happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving.